hello, hello, and welcome to Movie the Musical, a podcast about movies that have been turned into musicals. I am your host, Ben Kay. We are here to investigate, interrogate, and celebrate the art of adaptation from screen to stage. We are a podcast that loves questions. And today's question is, uh, for our lovely panel today, um, if you unfortunately found yourself participating in a Little Miss Sunshine uh, beauty pageant, what would your special skill be? What would your talent be? Um, the panel, of course, is open. Uh, pouring wine. <laughs> Great. That would be cool. my special skill. I would try to do the miscongeniality, like <laughs> the c- play the glass, play cups, the crystal, yeah. the cups, the the wine glasses. You know, Great. I wanted to say baton mm-hmm. twirling, but I would absolutely set several fires, and so that seems like a really <laughs> unsafe <laughs> option for me personally. That'd be fine. Uh, I would do a ventriloquist act and just freak everyone out, and it'd be great. That checks uh, out. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, do, do you not see the, the wall of puppets behind me? No, I feel like ventriloquist is going to happen for you in your life, and I just can't wait until that day comes. Uh, I'm going to be the uncle who's just... Uh, the puppet guy. Galore. Yeah. yeah that's like, oh, yeah, Ben's the fucking puppet uncle. But we're not here <laughs> to talk about puppets today. No, no. Uh, today's episode, of course, is about the 2006 feature film Little Miss Sunshine, directed by Jonathan Dayton and Valerie Ferris, and its subsequent musical theater adaptation, the 2013 musical Little Miss Sunshine, with a book by James Lapine and music and lyrics by William Finn. As always, our wonderful producer and editor, Bran Moorhead, is here. Hello, Bran. Badonkadonk. Sh- we're, Shake we're, my badonkadonk. We're all shaking our badonkadonks today, mm-hmm. um, especially our guest, our first returning main feed guest. You know her from the Legally Blonde episode. You know her from her wonderful words at looper.com. The brilliant Nina Starner. Oh my God, what a beautiful introduction. Thank you. <laughs> I am so happy to be back. I you love did it. You made pod. it. I made it. This is the high point of my life Has and be. i say that with zero hyperbole this is hell yeah the best <laughs> no i uh i love this podcast i've listened to every episode i'm really really happy to be back and i'm really happy to talk about what we're gonna talk about today which is a whole mess of things you yeah you texted me so go ahead just go say the thing you i know you're about to say Neil. um the musical is a hot garbage no, 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 you're right, you're right, you had a very specific thing you wanted to say, you're right, I did have a specific thing, space to say it, I appreciate that, um, so I did text Ben yesterday, and I said, uh, Ben, there was a point in my life where I did not know that this musical existed, and I would really like to eternal sunshine myself, and go back to that point in my life where I did not know that the musical adaptation of Little Miss Sunshine existed. Eternal Little Miss Sunshine. Oh. That is what I'm saying. And I, yeah, I didn't know. I honestly had no idea this had been adapted. So when you Not asked me. a lot of people me, do. Yeah, yeah. When you asked me to do this episode, I was like, does he know? Is there a musical? And I had to look it up. And in fact, there was. And I should this have trusted is, you. It's I, kind of wild yeah. how this musical almost doesn't exist. It mainly exists because of MTI. Um, yeah. Musical Theater International. Um, but. Enough about that. We'll get into musical talk later, but I, I do want to pin my thesis 
at the top uh, mm-hmm. before we delve into things. My sort of my actual question for today is: This is for me. This is kind of the the two plus two equals fish episode. What do I mean that, <laughs> by that? For me, like on paper, this seems like a, a done deal. Little Miss Sunshine, which we'll obviously sure. dig into the the specifics of that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, a hit film. A, a hit from Sundance, mm-hmm. uh, did Buffo at the box office, uh, won Oscars, became this critical independent film darling um, about, uh, about family, about tra- the, finding the comedy in this tragic family, um, and William Finn, a musical theater songwriter whose bread and butter is finding the comedy in tragic families. Um, and we'll dig into sort of his uh, work later. It seems like a match made in heaven. It seems like a two plus two equals four, but it turned out to be a two plus two equals fish. It's like, how did this <laughs> thing that seemed so obvious turn out something that just was not the case? It kind of feels like the musical adaptation version of this year's Oscars, where it was like, let's <laughs> rearrange the ceremony. <laughs> To give Chadwick Boseman the final award, and then we just close on a black and white still <laughs> photo of Anthony Hopkins, who is not there. You know, it just, that felt like a two plus two <laughs> equals fish situation to me. So this feels like the musical adaptation equivalent of that, where it's like, this seemed like a slam dunk, and yet, <laughs> Steven Soderbergh. And yet. And yet. <laughs> and yet. Uh, I, I won't say much more on that. <laughs> I will, but I will say much more on... Uh, Little Miss Sunshine, uh, a movie uh, from from 2006. Uh, like I said, it debuted at the Sundance Film Festival. It uh, arrived in the. It, I believe it was uh, so. Uh, Fox Searchlight Pictures uh, purchased it for uh, an exorbitantly large amount of money for the festival. I believe that record has been broken uh, on numerous occasions now. Um, this I think this year has been the the largest purchase for a film was Apple TV Plus buying that film Coda. But um, did that is... break Palm Springs? It did. Yes, Palm, yeah. yes, Palm Springs. Yeah, Palm Springs, which had this huge record. I think they broke the record by sixty nine cents. They Was did, that and I know joke? that that is correct uh, because I saw Andy Samberg talk about it a lot on late night shows, and it still makes me laugh hey, it's a that good they bit. were like, they were like, let's let's uh, put the movie up for sale for sixty nine cents more than the record, and it sold. Listen, it's a I I appreciate I love the commitment to the bit. Absolutely. I love it. We we love um, to see it. But yes, um, but yeah, and this, I mean, obviously I'm sort of skipping to the end of sort mm-hmm. of this film's trajectory, but I feel like it sort of became a poster child for like American independent cinema, cinema for a while, yeah. but like, especially just like, you know, like the, the twee, uh, kitschy, uh, white family who have yeah. all had these issues and like having to like come together for this like very quir- quirky, I feel like is the word that like can be affixed so easily that has been affixed so easily to this film the devotchka soundtrack with like mm-hmm. sufjan stevens and a bunch of other like indie darling sort of people on it yeah i do have to say that's the first i think this movie is the first time i ever heard chicago by sufjan stevens and so Which that, is, I, w- <laughs> I owe that movie that because i love that song still but i Which also is so funny because yeah. it's uh the song's called chicago and it's about them driving yeah. from new mexico to <laughs> california and what if like musically it makes sense sure but yeah thematically yeah it's a bonkers um but is this I, before or after garden state oh after. I, uh, yeah after a few years garden after. 2004 got it yeah I'm pretty sure maybe not four maybe even earlier but garden it, i believe state it is. is after garden yeah i, th- I feel like it 
took the crown away from Golden State and for, then the, I, yeah. I was for the better. Say, I was then going to say, like, <laughs> sure. oh, Golden State is 2004, and I was going to say then Juno, I think, took the crown from Little Miss Sunshine. Yes. Oh, for the it. next, like, quirky white family drama. Um, yes. Yeah. And, um, I mean, I'm sure oh, the Juno I, musical is on its way, frankly. I'd be so <laughs> curious to watch that film again. I Because I, yeah. I mean, I'll say, again, spoiler alert, I actually think this movie, uh, at least in my, in my part, I, it really held up for me. Same. Um, I it I I don't know. It 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 did okay. It I found a lot of heart. I found a lot of, uh, uh, yeah. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. Um, Michael Arndt, the Oscar the the Oscar winning screenwriter for this film, when he won Best Original Screenplay for Little Miss Sunshine. Um, he was famously uh Matthew Broderick's personal assistant, uh, for years. And whoa, I Wait, know what that's so weird. Yeah, he was Matthew Broderick's personal assistant. Uh, uh, he, I believe, I know specifically, he was his assistant on Inspector Gadget, <laughs> a cinematic classic, if there ever was one. <laughs> the turning point in his career, some have called it on this very podcast. I wish I, <laughs> I wish I had not taken a sip of water when you said Inspector Gadget. <laughs> because I almost well, died. Uh, isn't that your favorite movie, Nina? Haven't you said that to me? I've repeatedly? definitely never said that to you in my life, and I've also said it repeatedly somehow because time is a flat circle. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like you've often said to me mm-hmm. that you love this movie. Um, yeah, but no. So Michael Alden actually, like, this movie was in his brain for a while. He wrote it initially in the year two thousand. Um, it was originally going to be about a trip from Maryland to Florida. Um, he was planning to direct it himself, like really scrappily, with just like uh like a ho like a handheld like camera camcorder. So it was planned um, to be a very kind of low budget yeah, uh, uh, Indian like surprise. Yeah. yeah. Uh like almost like mumblecore level, if you will. Uh like Joe Swanberg style. Yeah, jo- yeah, yeah, that whole fun that whole fun style of filmmaking. But then yeah, I think I believe it like it got picked up uh by a studio and mm. then uh Dayton and Ferris were attached to direct it. This, uh, this is their, uh, Jonathan Dayton and Valerie Ferris, their married couple. This was their feature debut, but they'd sort of been kind of huge in the world of music video directors um, for a while. They directed uh, a bunch of Smashing Pumpkins videos, a bunch of Red Hot Chili Peppers videos. Um, and like looking back on it, you can kind of see that they have a really in my estimation, they have a very good sense of rhythm in this movie. They have a really, they really, especially in that like opening montage, they have a really good sense of like moving from character to character, moving from, and then just moving from scene to scene. Oh, and I just looked the up their, um, you know, music video history and it is, uh, is some huge hits on here. Like it's robust. 19, yeah. 1979 by Smashing Pumpkins, uh, Californication by Red Hot Chili Peppers, like really, really big hits. Go yeah. Deep by Janet Jackson. Like, really really big hits so uh, you're like clearly and and those are only three those are just like the three biggest (laughs) uh, no i'm saying like those are the three biggest in my estimation they also just did a whole buttload of them so clearly you're right Mm -hmm. they they got used to this short form uh style of filmmaking absolutely um and uh yeah they moved uh they moved it to a new mexico to california uh trip for budget reasons uh and yeah michael Arndt. i think michael Arndt was initially replaced as a screen- screenwriter um but then they the studio fired 
the replacement screenwriter and brought Michael Ant back on. Uh, it was a whole, it was a whole thing. Um, and then they were just like, let's make this movie. And it was made, uh, I think what, like about like $8 million. And then it ended up making like a hundred million dollars. It was a office. huge box office. Huge. I remember it being everywhere that summer. Yeah. I mean, and it had so that like weird. that distinct, the poster so distinctive, just like uh-huh. the, the bright yellow with the, the letters getting bigger as it goes. Did along. you both see it in theaters? Cause I remember seeing it with I my family. Must, I think so. I yeah. must I think have. So. Yeah. I when did it come out? What part of the year? August. No, what part of the year? August. August. Yeah. I definitely saw this. Oh, uh, yeah, August. I definitely saw this with my parents in theaters. Yeah, I was, I mean, I was, I still am, unfortunately, but I was a huge Oscar head in, in, in high school. Um, so, yeah, I was like, I, I must have seen this thing. Uh, yeah, and it has got uh, a literal busload of talent uh, mm. leading <laughs> this thing. Um, I'm... You know, we could go on, like, an hour-long tangent about uh, each of these uh, actors. It's kind of ridiculous. This cast is kind of uh, stacked in the best way possible. Um, I, and I mean, yeah, I, the, the plot is pretty similar from film to stage, which is going to be great as we talk about the musical. We don't have to, we'll, we'll have covered a lot of ground. Yeah. Uh, using, a, a pun semi-intended, uh, you know, beep beep bus, uh. I sure. <laughs> sure. Let me get away with Covered, that. Got a lot of mileage. Well, actually, we'll say before we talk, go to act talks so yeah, Dayton and Ferris, um, they've only directed two feature films uh, after Little Miss Sunshine. They directed uh, Ruby Sparks, reuniting them with Paul Dano. Um, and then they directed uh, Battle of the Sexes, uh, which is the Steve Carell, uh, Emma Stone tennis movie. I haven't seen either of them. I have not seen Ruby Sparks uh, in years. I saw it a long time ago, but I kind of don't remember it, which probably says a lot about it, Uh, which is a shame because I think that Zoe Kazan wrote it (laughs) and I really like Zoe Kazan. So I really hate uh, having this negative opinion. Battle of the Sexes is a perfectly fine biopic. It is exactly what you would expect. It's it's run of the mill and that's fine. But the performances are very good. Um, Is the tennis cool? Sure. I know nothing. <laughs> okay. I don't no, know. Then. I don't know anything about tennis. So I, was I like, don't know. It's an exciting yeah. sports sequence. You I, know, that could make or break a movie about tennis. If the tennis sequence, the are most good. that I know about tennis is uh, Rose Byrne just smacking, or I'm sorry, Kristen Wiig smacking Rose Byrne right in the boob in bridesmaids. That's all oh, that I know yeah. about tennis. So, and that's not even a lot. Uh, yeah, it's not. Yeah. That's, that's not. not very much, but no, it's, it's a fine, like run of the mill biopic. The performances are very good. Um, but, I know you're not. You probably won't bring this up, Ben, because it's not a movie. But they also did. Oh, the, uh, I the, or, yeah, yeah. Living with yourself. Yeah. Yes. So they did that show that doesn't exist, uh, which is the Paul Rudd miniseries. Living I with yourself. I liked that show. I didn't watch it, but like it came like like most of Netflix's content, it just sort of came and went. Yeah. Uh, because they release something every week, so there's no time to really sit with anything. Yeah, it didn't have so, the staying power of like Dead to Me, which became a runaway hit, for, well deservedly. But yeah, it just didn't have the like the the drive yeah. Yeah. living with yourself poor what if there were two paul rudds i would love that i mm. want to live in a world where there are two paul rudds who doesn't brand doesn't i don't know brand doesn't. i, don't know. I brand. like paul rudd <laughs> two but what about two of paul rudds well have you ever seen that old video i think it was on tim and eric tane where he like watches himself dancing yeah because oh, that's there's a lot of paul rudds in that sure. yeah I would prefer... I got a lot of work to do. I would prefer that double Paul Rudd. Hey, Paul. I'm Tane, your latest dancer. I can't wait to entertain you. Now, Tane, I can get into. 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's the double pot. So apparently, living with yourself didn't have enough pull ruts. No. Not, no. Uh, yes, yeah, that's correct. Yeah. You know what has no Paul Rudds is Little Miss Thank Sunshine. Thank you, Brian. <laughs> um, but you know what this what Little Back Miss on track. Well, Little Miss Sunshine almost had Bill Murray. Um, I think that he, Michael Arndt wrote the role of Frank for Bill Murray. Um, yeah. The studio okay. wanted Robin Williams. Um, oh whoa, my god. And then they ended up on uh, Steve Carell. And it's so funny. It's like nowhere in the conversation was an actual gay actor, but whatever. This is the fucking wow. like mid 2000s. I mean, like, and like, I will say, like, in the pantheon of straight actors playing gay characters, I would say Steve Carell is definitely on the like least offensive end oh, of that sure. spectrum. Yeah. But like much more so than the musical. Well, mm, oh. well, mm, well. <laughs> more of the script than the performance, but anyway. Yes. Yeah. Um, they, well, the musical at least had they had a gay actor in that role, but again, at what cost sure. on the script's parts. No, and and I I said this to Ben yesterday via text. It's like this was uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this was kind of Carell's first foray into a big dramatic role I believe before so, he yeah. started getting all of his Oscar nominations for things like Foxcatcher and Big Short. Because he was, he did Forty Year Old Virgin in the Office, and he had been on The Daily Show. But other than that, he mm. was just a comedy guy. Like he did not do like a dark role like this. And Frank, in the film at least, is a very intense role. Oh yeah. Um, and sure. I feel like this was his first like big, big step into a, a dark dramatic. Role. I would have nominated him for supporting actor over Alan Arkin. Honestly, I agree. Yeah, I think he was better. He has more to do. Alan Arkin's like. It's like seven lines. Yeah, yeah. That's what I've been struck with most watching this. I was yeah. like, he won for this. He and has like no in monologue. He talks to a kid like twice and he yells at everybody at a kitchen it's, table. It's kind yeah. of wild. Like, I will say, like, I think everyone in, in the like the main family unit is giving a good performance. But, oh, like, yeah, he's good. He just has like nothing. But then, spoiler alert, he pieces out halfway through the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, but that's the thing. Like, like, I think, like, even like he is giving a good performance, but I think his character, yeah, is arguably the least interesting of the bunch. Yeah. And like, yeah, like, yeah. The, the fucking whole horny grandpa like yeah we've seen yeah. that before like it's nothing he's new. the only person who actually knows who he is i would yeah. say that out of all these characters everybody else is like trying to figure it out or resigning themselves to being the person that they may not necessarily want to be yeah but, but if i wanted to watch if i wanted to watch a horny grandpa i would just watch bad grandpa yeah what if that was a bad grandpa yeah mm -hmm. I mean, I have not seen that film, but if I if I wanted a whole movie about Arkin's character, it's about I would a bad grandpa. I would only yeah. have to assume that's what it's about. Um, it's given the evidence Wait. laid in front. What if of it me. wasn't? Um, but but it no, it's just different. it's just one that he is like the least interesting character <laughs> in the film, uh, and he is the one who won the Oscar. And I mean, I'm yeah. I'm gonna make the presumption that it was a, a career Oscar. Like I can only imagine. Oh, that they sure. were like, oh, well, let's give Alan Arkin an Oscar. I'm just, I'm, I'm double checking that he hadn't won one before, because if he did, that would be fucking I think that's weird. the only one he's won, period. Yes, it's the I only one he's so won. I too, but... And then he fought, so yeah, he was nominated for uh, his performances in the films The Russians Are Coming, The Russians Are Coming, and The Heart Is a Lonely Hunter. You know, those classics. Um, Mina looks very confused. Um, I'm sorry, that film has <laughs> The Russians Are Coming twice yeah. in the title the russians you are coming the russians are coming yeah it's clearly uh that movie is clearly based on our uh uh past episode on anastasia i would only have to imagine uh 
It's a retelling of Paul Revere in 1983. <laughs> Paul Revere of the Cold War. Um, yeah. I was a little obsessed with the fact that Alan Arkin got his career Oscar. He got it for Little Miss Sunshine, uh, beating Eddie Murphy in Dreamgirls, which I still think is kind wow. of ridiculous. Didn't um, that yeah. is, didn't wasn't that a thing that made Eddie Murphy so angry that he like stopped acting? That's, well, no, not stopped acting. He, the rumor was that he actually left the uh, the ceremony after <gasps> he lost. Oh my Again, god! Again, this is a rumor. This is a rumor. This is alleged. Yeah. Um, but no, and then like everyone thought that like Dolomite is my name would be like the one where he would. Yeah. It was like, oh well, there it is. There's his Oscar. And but then didn't he, didn't he take even like get... a long hiatus, partly I because think of like yeah, maybe and yeah. You know, well, he did. Nor- Norbits came out like a month <laughs> before the Oscars, and everyone was like, I think I think that was part of it as well everyone was like yeah, i don't know <laughs> it's not i think like- he just does norbit and like the nutty professor as revenge for not winning those oscars <laughs> so like next we're gonna get like norbert Nor- norbit 2 and it's going to be the worst <laughs> anything's ever any the worst movie anyone has ever seen i think it's gonna be norbit 2 in orbit and it's gonna co-star elon musk Ooh, norbit in orbit oh that's so good it's so, yeah so cringe that's very I love, good I love, thank you i love the cr- i love the cringe of it all it really it really makes my heart sing um but no, I was gonna, I was trying to get to Alan Arkin gets nominated yeah. again for Argo. Oh, <laughs> he literally—that's psyop of a movie. Yeah, he gets nominated for saying the line "Argo, fuck yourself." That's literally why he got nominated. I was gonna say, I like as soon as you said he got nominated, I was like, did he say the line? Of course he did. Is the oh, only reason the movie exists. Yeah. All right. Okay, mm-hmm. that's yeah. Alan Arkin talk. Great. Um. <laughs> Great. I'm just like checking off the boxes of like the actors in this movie. Um, I want to say my Tony Collette anecdote. Great. Go, go. Which is, we all know Tony Collette is a an incredible, perfect actress. Yeah. But oh, she yeah. is such a good actress that as a, I believe, teenager, young person, um, she wanted to get out of school and she faked having appendicitis. And she did so so convincingly that doctors surgically removed her appendix, even though she did not have appendicitis. She's a great actor. That's pretty cool. That's actor. all I have to say about Tony Collette. She's perfect. Glad it was something. Glad she chose like the appendix and not like her yeah. gallbladder or something. <laughs> I mean, you don't need the appendix, so she was very smart. But like, that's how good of an actor she is, and that's all I have to say about her. Is she's perfect in everything, and she's a goddess. She really commitment to the bit. And, uh, it's, it's yeah, it's so funny because yeah, this was what like two thousand yeah, this was two thousand six. But I feel like she's recently kind of she's she's in this moment right now, mm-hmm. which is really like between like. Hereditary and Knives Out and yeah. I'm thinking of ending things. Like I think there's just like a real sort of like oh like appreciation of like Tony Collette as an actor. She um, also has one of the best American accents. She's uh, real good. At, in terms of like I've been watching Mayor of Easttown and I am from the Philadelphia area and <laughs> you know, good for Kate Winslet and she, she's doing her best, but she's clearly struggling to do an American accent and then do a Delco accent, which is objectively an insane accent on top of that. Whereas Evan Peters, an American, is just nailing the Delco accent. And so, you know, I feel like Tony Collette could crush the Delco accent without even batting Probably. an eye. She's just really good at, a, at the flat American affectation. And she's very, I noticed that in this movie because I feel like Nicole Kidman in particular, I've been watching her a lot. She she drops in and out. You can hear the Australian totally peek through. And I never remember that Tony Collette is not American ever. I feel like she just tricks me every time, and that's that's worth noting, right? Yeah. Like she's really really good at this accent. She's I mean um, and again she's you know it's as a as a non-American or as someone not born from here who has an English accent. 
I can tell you their accents are hard. They're not. Yeah. It's, it's tough. It's tough to do them. Especially it's tough to do them where you're not drawing attention to yourself. And Tony Collette. Like, where yeah. it looks natural. Yeah. yeah. She's able to like uh, work her accent work into the performance where in a way that it is natural. Um, yeah. And she's good. She's good in this movie. Um, and I'm, I'm curious. Yeah, we'll get into the characters in a second because Cheryl, I think, is sort of the character who, I don't know. There's, there's, I have questions about sort of how, what her sure. arc is. I think there's an arc, but it's, it's not as pronounced as the other characters. And I'm curious to delve more into it. Um, you got Greg, Greg Kinnear as the dad, who I gotta oh, say, he's such a jerk. Yeah, Richard's an so asshole, just vile, but he plays it perfectly. Yeah. Like he is that asshole, he, right? He's, I mean, he's, like he's Captain Amazing. Oh, he's Cap yeah. he is literally Captain Amazing. No, when uh, like the ice cream thing, where yeah, the ice cream moment like, is fucking abhorrent. Oh, yeah, and he, Ugh. but but he sells that. And he also, I will argue, and I'm sure we'll get into this, that he sells his kind of redemption where he's like, that's my, you know, he's really proud of Olive. Yeah. He, he does sell the trajectory of that character very well. He does a really good job of making you actually not hate him at the end of the movie, which is remarkable because you really hate him. Yeah, I, I think it's the, the Stan Grossman moment is where I feel his, like, his redemption comes in because you find someone who, like, Played by Brian Cranston. Brian I did Cranston. not I know. remember that. Well, and the other guy yeah, from Breaking D Bad Norris, is the Con Norris. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. yeah. I forgot that Brian Cranston was in this movie and it like two scenes. And I was yeah. like, holy shit. Like, this is a, a jam packed movie. And like, you've got Chloe from 24 popping up. I mean, this is Marilyn Rasco. Gail like, the Snail oh, is the stage manager. No one, at the, uh, yet no one salted her. I do not know her. her <laughs> that and then name, uh, Mel, Rodri Mel Rodriguez from uh, yeah. The Last Man on Earth is that cop at the very end. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. And, 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 and I mean, we'll get there too, but like the lady who runs the the pageant is like Beth Grant, yeah. I think is her name. Yeah. And she's a, she plays like a, a, a horrendous bitch in every movie that's from <laughs> she, the 90s and, and she 80s. also plays Dwight Schrute's babysitter, babysitter slash girlfriend on The Office in the dinner party okay. episode. And, um, and fucking Mary Lynn Rashkub from 24. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, Mary Lynn Rashkub from Always Sunny oh, and man. 24 and sketch comedy and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect cast. So much. Uh, it's it, what it, they. I love. I, I mean, that's the sign of a good casting director, right? That they're yeah. able to like fill out with fill the cast like these minor roles with these with these actors who have clearly got on to have these great careers. And it's like, oh, like I knew you then. Like I was able to like see something in you yeah. to even have you in this like one to two scene, if that role. Right. That's wonderful. Do we want to quickly and, touch on the Breslin and Dana? Oh, we have all? to. Oh, we absolutely yeah. have to. So Abigail Breslin, um, yes. who, I mean, Love yeah. Her. So like, she, I feel like she she was in Signs, right? She was in mm -hmm. uh, M Night Shyamalan Signs. Um, but obviously, great movie. I haven't seen it. Oh, I love that movie, starring the one and only Mel yeah, Gibson. Yeah, absolutely nothing wrong with that man. G adding to our lovely uh, roster of unproblematic individuals who show up in this in this uh, podcast. Uh, yeah, I, I am the wildest yeah. man in Hollywood. I also, that guy. So I'm looking at Abigail Breslin's filmography because yeah, obviously, like she gets she gets Oscar nominated for this uh, for this movie, which yeah, good for it's crazy, yeah, but good, whatever. Good for her. Crazy. Good for Listen, her. No one was. 
going to beat Jennifer Hudson this year, it was fine. Oh, yeah. yeah. And also, totally. they did it because she was young and cute, and it was yeah. good PR for the Oscars. Sure. That's why they did um, it. It's fine. But then she does Zombieland a few years later, which is kind of oh, wild. Oh, one of my favorite movies. <laughs> I love Zombieland. Um, and I was I also texted this to Ben that I love that that is the follow-up to this, because it's she. It's well, like, you know, she has some stuff in between. Of course, she had, right. she had to do the Santa Claus 3, the escape clause. Um, sure, she, you couldn't, sure. You couldn't leave that off yeah. of your resume. You, could, you couldn't skip no reservations or definitely maybe. Or Nim's um, Islands. What if Nim had an island? Nim's or, Island. Or what if Kit Kittredge was an American girl? Mm. Mm. Hear me out. But then um, I, didn't, I and, forgot she was in the August Osage County movie. Which is kind of bananas. She was. Yeah, she's the young girl in that. Um, oh God, I also forgot she was in My Sister's Keeper, a really problematic. But yeah, film. she, you know, she returned for Zombieland <laughs> Double Tap, a movie that oh, I, I don't think exists. Like it barely came out. I that saw, came out like last year, yeah. right? I saw it. She's, I saw it. In she's theaters, going usually. to be uh, in uh, the new a new Matt Damon film, uh, Stillwater, directed by Tom McCarthy. So she's got a prod. She's she's working. She's an actively. I feel like obviously. I feel like. I bet she's probably like still trying to find that project that's gonna not make her the Little Miss Sunshine girl anymore. Because sure. I feel like it's like, I mean, you are you are like the title character. You are you are arguably like who this film is centering around, even though it is an but ensemble cast. I would argue cast. that the Zombieland franchise helped though, because I would her say so. Yeah. Was was like a tiny little badass and was being like guided by uh, Emma Stone's Wichita, and I. But she also then I know I know we focus on films more, but you know, Scream Queens. I'm so glad I said that normally because it's very hard to not say Scream Queens when you say that name. Scream Queens. Scream Queens. Scream Queens. I love my Scream Queens. Yeah, like it's hard to not. Sounds just... like a snack. <laughs> Coming soon from the makers of Dunkaroos. Um, but no, she like that series. I'm not going to say the name again because I will screw it up. Um, she, <laughs> that series was a weird, dark Ryan Murphy experiment with. Sure. Emma Roberts. Doesn't, that, doesn't that describe every single Ryan Murphy project? No, because it was a, <laughs> no, because it was much better than say Ratchet or The Politician, both of which are absolute garbage. Or The Prom. Um, and I'm oh, and I'm also now I forgot that she was. We'll in have to a, do that one someday. Yeah, you will. Uh, she was in a t- uh, 2017 Dirty Dancing television film where she played Baby. Nobody put her in a corner, I'll tell you that. Um, I will, yeah, I'll I, tell you that too. I, I wanna, we gotta actually talk about this fucking movie, so let's just finally end this oh, off. Oh, you don't wanna go on your Paul Dano? No, 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 I'm saying, I, no, that's what I'm saying, I wanna end this off by talking about Paul Dano. Um, so here's the thing, Paul Dano, uh, who I think is, is really underrated in this movie, and it, like it's easy to be, because you're a character who doesn't talk for two thirds of it. Um, I think yeah. he does so well. I think he is so great. I think his moment where he does erupt is kind of beautiful, and it's kind yeah. of a heartbreaking moment. Just when I he also finds love out. early in this yeah. in the movie where he says, "I hate everyone" on his notepad, and he like and underlines it again. Steve yeah. Carell's like, "Even your family," and he just underlines yeah. it. No, that's he gives a, a very funny beat. Yeah. Well, it's like he so and like he gives this like wonderful performance. He opens up and he has that like lovely moment at the at, like by the water with Steve Carell later in the film. Um, I think he's, and he, like, he's clearly, like, a, and even, like, in the diner earlier in the film, he's, like, he clearly cares about his family. He's, like, doing the bit with, like, eating the ice cream, uh, trying to, like, cheer Olive yeah, up. Yeah, he's very sweet to Olive when it, when he knows it really matters. Yeah. And you can tell that the switch flicks on, right? You can see it happen where he's, like, I gotta be there for my sister. But, and it's very sweet. So, so, yeah, he's great in this movie. 
And then literally the next year he is in There Will Be Blood. It's absolutely Man. unhinged. And he is and like, I, rem I remember distinctly, I was like, he's what? And then it's like, you see him in Little Miss Sunshine guy. Yeah, yeah, I remember that from seeing the There Will Be Blood Same. trailer. I was like, oh, it's the it's the non-talking. Yeah, kid. I was like, you see Dwayne and he's like, out, spirit, out. And it's like, oh my God. Um, ben, you would definitely know if this is correct. Uh, <laughs> is it correct that he was cast in There Will Be Blood and then he was so good that uh, P.T. Anderson changed his role to become twins so he could be in more of the film? So is here's what accurate? happened. So he was cast as Paul Sunday, who is the, the yeah. brother who just asks uh, Daniel Plainview to come to his family's uh, lands. Right. Um, there was another actor cast as Eli Sunday, the preacher, who I believe uh, did not get along with uh, Daniel Day-Lewis on set. Understandable. Uh, I yeah. get No, don't need to unpack that. I get that. Um, He's not a fan of, like, cabinet making and <laughs> tailoring yeah, and no, no. all those other, like, artisanal things that Daniel Day-Lewis knows how to do. Yeah. Shoe well, making, say, haberdashery. Like, maybe, maybe if he was... Maybe if they were filming Phantom Thread, maybe they would have gotten along. But they were filming... <laughs> There will be blood where Daniel Day Lewis played uh, a crazed oil baron. So I imagine he just <laughs> yeah he wasn't just quietly sewing and eating mushrooms in a spare no, time. No 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 no. <laughs> he would probably was bringing the most intense energy to every waking moment of that cruise shoot. So I imagine probably, the yeah. actor who's bastard in a basket. <laughs> and it's, it is one of my favorite movies of all time. It's a it's very good. Brilliant. Um, Great. So movie. scary. I'm, I'm finished. Uh, but yeah, so I believe the actor who was playing Eli was like, no, I'm okay. So then, oh, yeah. Oh, he dropped out. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then, yeah, Pete. So then Paul Thomas Anderson was like, uh, Paul, can you, can you do both? And he did. And he fucking he was great. nailed it. And now, really yeah, great. he's, you know, he's had a good career. He, yeah, he, he did. Uh, he's done some Kelly Reichert movies. Uh, he was in the aforementioned Ruby Sparks. He has a really memorable small role in Looper, the the movie, not the website. Um, he is, uh, of course, in Swiss Army Man, one of my favorite movies. Mm -hmm. um, he also was in 12 Years a Slave. He was in 12 Years a Slave. And he uh, directed uh, the film Wildlife, which I still need to yeah. see, which apparently is really lovely. Um, which I have not seen it either. I would like to, yeah. Um, yeah, it's Carrie Mulligan and Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, it's he was also in a revival of True West on Broadway. He was is... with Ethan Hawke. Yeah, yeah, that's a God. that sounds like a great. And he's going to be in. Did they swap? Did they? Did they? Do no. The, almost said the wife swap. <laughs> did they do the the hawk the hawk swap? The West swap. No, they didn't do the, the West. They didn't swap. do the West. The they didn't do God. the West swap. Um, no. Um, wife swap colon True West. <laughs> mm -hmm. No, I love uh, it. And so. Stacked cast, uh, bus full of talent, uh, and they won the Screen Actors Guild Ensemble Award. Uh, yeah. des Makes sense. Deservedly so. Absolutely. Yeah. I cannot yeah. imagine, like, like, I'm like, of, the, of that year, I'm like, yeah, you have to give it to this film, I would say. Or Dream, or Dream Girls. Girls. Yeah, Dream Girls would be the only yeah. other one, but yeah, I would say, like. But I would say, like, in this film, if, if one person were less than perfect, the entire film would fail. Absolutely. And I feel like Dream Girls, it's like, it rests more on Jennifer Hudson and uh, Eddie Murphy. No disrespect went to Anina, Anika, Anika, Anika Nani Jones. Yeah, Anika Nani Rose. Yeah. God, I'm so sorry. Rose. I was like, I know her two last names. I can't remember her first name exactly. And yeah. Beyonce, but like, I feel like Jennifer Hudson and Eddie Murphy are the pillars of that film. Sure. Whereas like Little Miss Sunshine really lives or dies on if the entire cast is great. And it is. Yeah. I mean, Dreamgirls is, uh, I, you know, with the exception of the 
despite the fact that it's a uh, musical, it really is less of an ensemble piece than yeah. Yeah, the I show. Agree. Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, let's talk about the actual movie. Uh, it's it starts with that that Davachka score is I love it. Again, it became so great. Yeah, it became like this obviously like this joke of this sort of like the oh this is like again I I feel like this film is sort of pegged more on its on the films that came in the wake of it rather than the film itself. Like it inspired films with very twee soundtracks and with very sort of like morbid quirky sensibilities but i really do think this film uh carries carries the weight of what it's trying to do um so yeah so you have the you have the hoover family who you meet in montage uh you have olive the daughter who uh is an aspiring uh pageant queen you have uh paul dano as Dwayne, uh the brother who is uh the stepson of the family he's uh shell's son uh uh, but is not uh, is only uh, Richard's son through marriage, I believe, is what's established. Um, he has taken a vow of silence, so until he gets into flight school, um, so he has not talked for months now. Uh, there is uh, yes, yeah, Cheryl, the mother, uh, played by Tony Collette. There's Richard, the father, who has uh, who's trying to pitch this nine steps to success, uh, nine step refuse to lose program of uh he's like trying to like get a book deal out of it trying to like pitch this thing um and that's sort of like this sort of concept of like there are two kinds of people in this world there are winners and losers that's kind of like the the thesis of the film right it's it's about like this mentality of like being a winner on being a loser and right it's about this family of people who we should see as losers right and like in their own sort of ways they've sort of lost in life so Ben, yeah. you are forgetting a really important character, well, which is well, the the Volkswagen bus. <laughs> sure, yes. Um, How could I forget? Yeah, that distinctive bright yellow has, Volkswagen bus. It has its own entry in the Wikipedia page. Of course it um, does. Yeah. And like, so basically, Greg Kinnear was like, "We almost died do, <laughs> filming in because they were going like." And he says, I was going 50 miles per hour in the 71 VW van that doesn't have side airbags. You'd wait for this huge camera truck to come whizzing in front of us with the camera. It's the most dangerous movie I've ever made. All right, Greg. <laughs> yeah. A flair, You're okay. A flair for the dramatic, Greg. But no, I, I I would actually argue that the bus is just as important of a character as anyone totally. in the film. Yeah, no, it is a distinctive piece of... Uh, yeah. Of, of of the iconography the absolutely yeah. no no and yeah we'll talk about how they try to replicate that on stage uh again we don't i don't like to talk about production stuff but there's some there's some fun stuff i want to talk about with how they try to do the bus on stage um Yikes. road trips on it is weird. road trips in a musical <laughs> fucking weird um but yes and then yeah so you've got uh alan arkin as uh edwin hoover i believe is that's what they say his name is uh like they mainly just call him grandpa um and he is Recently been kicked. It is Edwin. You're correct. Thank you. Uh, they, yeah. He's recently been kicked out of uh, uh, the nursing home he was in for uh, doing heroin. Uh, not cool. not great. Very bad. Don't do it. Opens opens with him doing a line of blow yeah. of cocaine, which is just like, oh yeah, cool. We just want to start the show, this movie out, showing how cool Alan Arkin is. <laughs> I get it. And his reasoning for very cool for guy. His reasoning behind all of this is basically like, I'm extremely old and I'm gonna die soon, so who cares? Yeah. yeah. And good. I'm not gonna lie <laughs> to you. I I kind of can't argue with that. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I agree with pretty much everything he's got to say in that first monologue, except for the whole. 
jailbait comment, which is, uh, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll get there. That's something, all right. <laughs> he's, he's, For a movie about children's pageants. I, well, mm, okay, we'll, get to, we'll get to that in a second. But Brad, I know you have some thoughts on the world Woo-hoo. of child pageantry. Um, I have some, too, which I'm excited about. Um, and then we have Steve Carell, who is Cheryl's brother, played by, uh, I said Steve Carell, he plays Frank. Um, he is the number one uh, Proust scholar in the, in, the, in the U.S. or in the world. I think just in the U.S. I think it's the U.S., but I can't imagine what those rankings look like. I feel like it's <laughs> who does four that? Who, yeah. who, who's, who's in charge of yeah, ranking? I'm like, the who scholars? makes that ranking every year? To fill out your bracket, it's March. I'm filling out my Proust bracket. <laughs> my Proust scholar bracket. Yeah. Got Gonzaga going all the way. I, did I tell I, you I was in a? I, was, I don't know. I've got Larry Sugarman in the top seat. Oh no. I, I I was in a March Madness bracket this year, and I won. Oh, nice. Yeah. Was it about... Do you pay attention to that no, at all? Or was abs- it just like total no. guess? No, it was pretty... <laughs> did you do research or did you just I, like feel your gut? I knew that Gonzaga had done well before, so I picked them mm-hmm. to be in the final. And then I also picked Baylor because that's where my wife went to college. <laughs> I was going to say... she went to Baylor. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say... I know how Ben would pick a bracket, which is how I would pick a bracket, which is just names of things that I like. Yeah, also, or have also, some association also with. Gonzaga sounds like Gonzo, who's a great Muppet. Uh, so I knew that's why you picked it. I know you weren't like he's a good player. You were like it's a, it's a Muppety name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is a very Muppety name. Uh, but no, uh, so Fra- so Frank uh, has uh, tried to kill himself. Um, again, he has this like he has this very distinctive look of like the the all white with the bandages around uh, his wrists. And his character introduction is pretty heartbreaking. Yeah, I mean, like he's still yeah. in the hospital. I mean, you, Cheryl you goes get, to get you him. get the peak yeah. of the score at that moment. Him yeah. looking out the window. Literally, the title comes up over his over face, his face. with yeah. that violin doing the do 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 do. And I'm like, I even watching it like the other day, I was like, this this kind of hit. It's kind of hit. Yeah. Like they're like they again, music video directors. They know exactly how to yeah. move this thing in a really effective emotional way. Mm-hmm. Um, this is also, I will say, this is the the second film that stars Paul Dano that has a character saying, "I'm finished," because that's what uh, Olive that's what Olive says after dinner when she finds out she's going to Little Miss Sunshine. That was my dumb thing. <laughs> Nina looks nonplussed by this. <laughs> I'm actually quite plussed. <laughs> Feel really plussed by that. Oh my gosh. Tenuous at best connection. Whatever. I knew that there was going to be a lot of there will be blood stuff. It's, it's awesome. kind of hard for me to not. It's all fi- Yeah, you can't you can't turn that off. You know, there was one shot of them. It's I think it's when Dean Norris, the the bike cop, pulls him over, and there's like this beautiful shot of like the the bus is sort of in the left of the frame and you have this oil rig in the background and i was like oh there will be blood great uh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know i know exactly what you're talking about as do Stupid. i but no one else made that connection on planet earth I, except for who, who, cares? who cares oh i love it i love the way that your brain works please never stop never stop never stopping Appreciate go on you. I will never stop, never stop. <laughs> um, so, and I, yeah, so Dwayne has this device where, yeah, he, he isn't talking, so he, like, communicates through uh, this notepad. He writes stuff on his notepad. He also loves... And he has, like... Yeah, Nietzsche. He's a he, big Nietzsche. He poster. loves Nietzsche. Is Nietzsche also on his T-shirt? Is that who it is? Uh, I don't think I that think is. I think so. Oh, th- no? Yeah, maybe there's one shirt. 
that has Nietzsche on it. He loves them. He- that like hand drawn shirt. Yeah, yeah. I, don't know who's I was on like, that. is I, I? I that's not something I could figure out. I, I wanted to bring up was like, is it Nietzsche on his shirt also, I or is it someone I was, else? I, mean, I, was, I wasn't sure. I was never a Nietzsche head. I never got into Same. him. Uh, the musical really doesn't like Nietzsche, but we'll get into that <laughs> later. There's a, a overt anti-Nietzsche propaganda in the yeah. stage show, which is trying to indoctrinate the children against Nietzsche. You gotta. <laughs> It's very strange. Um, but yeah, so they find out that uh, the the winner of the contest, the regional room of sunshine that Olive participated in, uh, the first place winner had to drop out. Something about diet pills is what they say. And so now she's got to go to Redonda Beach, California. Um, and the only way, they, it's too expensive to fly. Um, there's too many people who want to go. So they decide they're all going to go. They're all going to go in this classic uh, yellow VW bug. Um, I will also say the scene where they find out and they're all arguing about if they like who can go and yeah. how to go. And Olive is just running like mm-hmm. they don't even focus the camera on her. She's just dashing through the scene, like throwing stuff in a bag and being like, Little Miss Sunshine is really cute. Yes. Very endearing. Oh, she, she, I, I, I love that. I, like, and that I will bit. say, yeah, yeah, Abigail Abigail Breslin is really lovely. Like child actors can sometimes be the scourge of the earth. They can be yeah. really fucking top noxious and toxic but she's giving she's really good she's not pushing it no and the way the, everyone else plays the scene where they just totally ignore her yeah and she is just losing her mind mm-hmm. it's so it's really funny Absolutely. it's a great comedy set piece um, yeah yeah so yeah it's sort of been established that yeah like the grandfather has been the one coaching olive on i'm also surprised and we'll get, like obviously like the like the film is very famous for like the ending uh, yeah. the ending performance of Olives. I kind, it's kind of wild that no one has seen this before. Like, how long has she, has she been doing pageants for? Is this literally the first time that any of them have, like, watched a performance of hers? Or, like, heard I, about this? So from the movie, I kind of got the sense that this is, like, a new number that she gotcha. had been working on. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not going to say the same for the musical because we'll get there, but <laughs> what they do is really, um, interesting. Anyway. It also seems like the grandpa's the only one that kind of pays attention yeah. to Yeah, her, I was going to say. Especially in the beginning of the movie. Yeah. He's the one who spends the most one-on-one time with her. Yeah. Yeah. He, he really, he obviously has, has such a soft spot for her. I mean, as again, it's, I mean, we'll get into it later. It's like, there's a lot of subtext in this movie, right? It's like, yeah. uh, it's like the grandfather is like trying to have this relationship with Olive that he clearly never had with Richard, right? As a father, yeah. it's like he, yeah. and again, like he knows that he is like living in excess, uh, like pushing himself, uh, snorting blow, doing heroin. Um, he's like, I'm going to like make the most with this one child that is still in my life. Um, doing cool guy shit all the time. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Brent, for advocating for Edwin Hoover's cool guy shit. Um, and can't argue with that. Was, no problem. And then, yeah, so then they're in the bus, they're traveling, they're heading to California from New Mexico. Um, yeah, the grandpa gives Dwayne the speech. Uh, fuck a lot of women, not just one woman, a lot so of women. In my, in my research, uh, and I'm, I'm guessing one or both of you have seen this as well, Abigail Breslin was actually listening to music with noise-canceling headphones on and didn't hear any of that dialogue happening, right. and she didn't know any of that. <laughs> happened until she saw the final cut of the film. Hell yeah. So she genuinely had no idea that Alan Arkin was like, fuck a lot of women, like right behind her. <laughs> Which is A, very pure and cute in terms of the filming process. Did they not like B, give her that section of the script? That's all right, sure. <laughs> I, they, it, I method mean, actor. Look, She's a method actor. <laughs> I'm just going to say, the kid who shot The Shining thought it was like a comedy. So there are tricks you can play with child actors. 
it's very possible they didn't give her those pages of script and they just sit told her to say like what are you guys talking about because that's the only line she has in the entire scene I don't know. The Shining's pretty funny. I don't know what you're talking about. Hilarious. It's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. Extremely yeah. funny. Have you seen Jack's face? It's a comic. It's comic gold. Honestly, when he is frozen at the end, that is very funny. Yeah. I will give you that. It's hilarious. It's, ir- it's, ir- it's ironic. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, then there's the stop where, yeah, they go to the, the diner. And Richard, Richard's just an asshole. Again, he's got this. I mean, again, Sucks. he's got this. He's got this like winner loser mentality, and he's like, you know, you know, if you, you know, none of the models who win these beauty pageants are are fat, so you can't have that ice cream. Um, it's the just... way that he and like the syrupy sweet way that yeah. he says it to her is, uh... so, and the way you can see her spirit just be crushed under those words, it is heartbreaking. That is that was a hard scene to watch, just because it's like. I mean, I'm very fortunate. It reminded me of things I was told as a yeah, kid, as a like heavier kid. Yeah, like, I'm. I mean, I I gotta be honest. Like, I'm lucky that my parents were never like body shamers and are still are not in any sense of the word. But I just I did ballet as a kid, and I know a lot of gir- I knew a lot of girls at the time who would be like, well, I can't have a candy bar. It'll it'll be you know it'll make my hips yeah. fat tomorrow. And yeah. it's like fucking oh my gross. god, just yeah, it just really like and the way that for such a young kid that the way that yeah. I can see she's your supposed to be what she's horrible. seven in this film, like fuck yeah. off. And the, get out yeah. of here, dude. But I think the redeeming part of the scene is the way everyone else at the table is like, what a fucking yeah. asshole. The best, the best there is, is yeah. no redemption the, for him. Well, the best everyone is at the end when like a Dwayne like shoots the straw wrapper at his head. Yeah, yeah. Just sort of like put, like button the end of the scene. It's very yeah. fun. I do like when uh, Richard is arguing with uh, Frank in the car, and he says sarcasm is the refuge of losers, which again is just such a fucking <laughs> dick phrase to use. And then yeah, Frank's like, really? Oh wow! Thank you for saying this. To me. Also, is there anything more pathetic than a like self-help guru who's a total failure? Like that's the most, it's and perfect. to continue doing that shit and just keep going after it. That's like the most American thing I can think it, of. Is like a complete failure, but you're a self-help guru. Yeah. Hot, Come on, dude. hot take. Is he the original mansplainer? <laughs> <laughs> Probably, I yeah, I. Now that goes to uh, Jesus Christ, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I yeah I I have a lot of thoughts on yeah, like sort of self help as a practice in general, and sort of like, uh, yeah, well, I don't, I don't, I could spend hours talking about how more important it is to sort of like build connections rather than like right. But this film does a great job of, of exhibiting the, the toxicity of that entire endeavor, right? Yes. Of yeah. like how toxic it can be, not just to you personally as the person espousing it, but everyone around you. Because yeah. everyone, no one makes a secret out of how exasperating they find him. The way Frank looks at him when they uh, are all at the diner is, yeah, like, like he is just furious. Yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah. I think, yeah like I said, sort of. I think this sort of the, the in to uh, Richard's character is that moment where he finally does confront Stan Grossman again, played by uh, Brian Cranston. Uh, nice bit. Amazingly. I mean, this is before Breaking Bad. Yeah, this is a few years before. I think so. I think so. Breaking Bad must have been 2008, 2009, right? I think so, yeah. yeah. So yeah, this was, yeah, this I, was I, like between Malcolm in the Middle and Breaking Bad. Right. I mean, he's, I, I almost didn't recognize him. It, it took me a minute. He's got that great beard. Um, he's so good. Oh, Breaking Bad was 2008. Yeah, so two years later. Is, is, uh, or two years after this film. He's good. But, but yeah, so like, you have really that good. moment of just like Richard just being shot down 
Um, and doesn't he ride like a teeny tiny little bike over to the? To <laughs> he he like, asks some like bikers for like their like electric moped yeah. or something. Yeah. Yeah, but it's like too small for him, and yeah. he just looks like he a looks dork very and... pathetic. Yes, and I think yeah. it's, I think you're supposed to. Yeah, I think you're supposed to like yeah. feel sympathy and and pity for him in that moment. It's the same kind of moped that I own. Well, it's a Puch moped. Puch. Puch. It's an Austrian from the seventies. P U C H. Do you feel like a badass riding it? Uh, uh, they're very fun. I don't know if badass is the word. Your max speed is like you know twenty five miles an hour, but they're adorable. Yeah. Oh yeah. I. And very fun. Hell yeah. That's that's as long as you're having fun. That is the most Mm -hmm. important thing. Um, I would argue. Uh, Brian, I'm sorry I accidentally dunked on your moped. That was not my intention. <laughs> you couldn't have dunked on it. <laughs> you know Thank what? God. It gets 100 miles to the gallon. Well, perfect. 100 miles to the gallon. I love that. Your moped is, un- <laughs> your push is undunkable, Brian. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Yes, there you go. Uh, seconded, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, then, yeah, so then they, then the, the car breaks down and there's this, they're like the, the something like broken with the car. And so the only way they can get it started is by pushing it, which again becomes this sort of like motif of the film. Them having to, again, right? Again, it's like it's all about these people working together, right? It's like right. Richard, especially, like learning that like you got to work together as a family, um, and that's going to be the key to your success. And so, them having to work together to push this bus to literally get it going becomes this sort of nice action that becomes a thematic motif of the movie, um, which kind of carries over to the stage show ish uh but yeah the car just keeps breaking down like the horn breaks down in the second half of the movie uh it's pretty funny that's when they get pulled over that's, right? yeah, it's he, stuck like, on yeah yes. it, it won't stop beeping mm-hmm. that's and that's when um that's when uh, z norris shows up and we'll get i was yeah. gonna say hank from breaking mm-hmm. bad shows up <laughs> yes <laughs> inexplicably they're in the same movie who knew um Wild. but yeah so then there's one point where they stop at a rest stop and yeah that's when like uh richard gets the call initially that stan grossman uh who uh, i the he's called Stan Grossman because that is the name of a character in Fargo that yes. Michael Arndt wanted to pay uh, tributes to. Also saw Weird. that in the trivia. Very yeah. strange. Um, but yeah, so that's where he gets the call that like the book deal is a no go. Um, this is where uh, Frank runs into uh, Josh, uh, the grad student that he had been seeing before he went to. Uh, he ran away with Larry Sugarman. Terrible name. Uh, for a fucking Proust scholar. Um, I love later you see like the news the newspaper ad for his book and it's called yeah. Understanding Proust. Uh, like, <laughs> really snappy title. Fuck yeah. off, yeah. I, well, yeah, Larry and Frank are gonna buy that book. <laughs> That's it. For real. They are the yeah. audience for that, for that thing. And everybody that they require to for their like class right, they right. teach. Yeah. Any curriculum. It's gonna have mm-hmm. to, or it's gonna be on a curriculum somewhere. Put it on a. Oh, and then, yeah, yeah. and then Frank is also buying porn for the grandpa, so they can, uh, so he can whack off like one is wants to do. Um, yeah, it was also so f- buns and ammo. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> cocked and loaded. I love it. <laughs> yeah, they found like that was like it felt like a continuation of all the like stupid porn names from Forty Year Old Virgin. Yes, like where all those magazines. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> is that before this or is that later? That must be after this, right? Sure, I think is so. Is it? I yeah, oh yeah, I, yeah. Steve Carell, it had to be. 
like thinking of like Steve Carell's career trajectory, that had to be. Anchorman was like the year before yes. this, I feel. Yeah, 40 year old. Because that was my oh, last year. Oh, no, 40 year old. No, no. Murder Virgin was 2005. Oh, wow. Wow. That's, that's wild. That's kind of wild. So he had a three year run of Anchorman, uh, 40 year old Virgin, and this, and he was on The Office at the same time because The Office began in yeah. 2004. What a guy. Yeah. What a guy. Greg and you're on a huge run right there, too. I mean, this is like, uh, I mean, how this is probably fairly quickly after as good as it gets, right? And uh, I think he was up for supporting actor for he that. Was. This was he a, was. This is yeah. a, a decade after as good as it gets. This is a decade after? Boy, that mid to <laughs> early oh. 2000s. You know what, Brian? It all just you're, was a blur after of, 9-11. You're thinking of 2003 stuck on you. Uh, <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> God. I think that's what you're thinking wow. of. No, no, that, excuse not, me. Not such a run. Excuse me. No, I'm sorry. Actually, Bran, you're thinking of 2005's Robots, uh, <laughs> where he does a voice performance. As I'm sorry. Fi- I'm, as Phineas I, I'm T. Ratchet. <laughs> I'm still going to bring up Stuck on You, a Farrelly Brothers film where he is fused to Matt Damon. Well, well yeah. don't you? I've seen both yeah, those movies. Uh, the tagline, of course, is Brothers Stick Together. Anyway, back to this. <laughs> back to this movie. Uh, yeah, and Frank has yes. this embarrassing encounter with Josh. Um, um, it's very sad um, and pathetic, um, and it sucks. Again, just reminding him of the the things that he has lost in this world. Again, film about winners and losers. Um, they end up in a motel for the night. Um, Frank, uh, the grandpa dies. He dies. It's sad. Uh, he does heroin and he dies. Um, he has a nice moment. He with does. He has a very her knowledge. where she yeah. says like she says, "Am I pretty?" And he says, "Like you're the most beautiful girl." Um, which is the part the musical decides to play out. But I thought the more interesting thing that I feel like is kind of more of the thesis of the movie is she is, uh, she says something like, uh, I don't want to be a loser. Yeah. And he's like, where do you, you know? And, and she's like, that's what my dad's always talking about. And he's like, look, you can't be a loser if you try, yeah. if you're trying, you're not a loser. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the more of the, I was, yeah, the that's the message yeah. of the movie. I would say, so, yeah, as long as you're doing it, like, don't worry about the outcome. It's like, you just do, do yeah. the thing. Yeah. yeah. You try, like, you're attempting this and you're, like, making yourself better. Right. And we so you're not a loser. And we mentioned earlier that, you know, he's the person who tries to connect with all of the most. And so I think it's perfect that she's the last person to connect, you know, to yeah. have a beautiful moment with him before he does die. Sad. Right. It's like, very and sad. She, it's really sad, but it's also like she has this, like, lovely memory of her grandpa, you know, like, uh, it, it, giving her words of encouragement, being really nice to her. It's not like she just like went to bed without talking to him or something. I will say, and I did yeah. find yeah. it very touching that she like she gets the final moment with him because I feel like they have the strongest bond. And I do, I do like that he that grandpa still does have this final moment with Richard in the bus where he's like, I yeah, know, yeah, yeah. I know you didn't get the book deal, but again, he's imparting this message of like, you still went for it. You should be proud yeah. that you went for the yeah. thing. So that's a really sweet moment. Um, um, and I do, so I do like uh you have this argument with Richard and Cheryl, but you actually don't really see it or hear it. It's just, you hear it through the walls when we're like in the, in the room with Frank and Dwayne. And I like, you have like Dwayne on the bed and he's like smiling, listening to the arguments uh, yeah. going on in the room next to him, which A is nice kind of funny. A nice little Paul Dano touch. Yes. Yeah. But I, I like the implied argument of it all. Like, it's like, we know exactly what's happening in that room, but you Emphasis don't have to. on implied. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, we love we love subtle implication. Uh, the magic yes. of the the magic of the movies. Um, we love to infer. Yes. <laughs> uh, but either way, the grandpa dies. Uh, they take him to the hospital. Uh, I like that the the doctor comes to like say sorry, and then he goes off, and he's like, Linda. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. A joke yeah, that, that they ruin in the musical by saying it a oh. bunch. They say like 
Do they? Yeah, they're yeah. like Linda. I miss yeah. that. Luckily, I, yeah, I, know. I hated that a lot. Um, but yeah, either way. Um, so, but then they're like, like to legally get the body out of there, um, it's gonna take a while. So they 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 steal the body. They they smuggle it out of the. They smuggle it that out of the hospital. That scene is they... extremely funny in the movie. It is not funny anywhere else. So I was gonna say, so so post movie, they get arrested, right? Like they get tracked down and they get arrested for a. Steal. I hope fucking not. <laughs> you should be able to take. It's his grandpa. It's true. Yeah. Well, it's his or dad. Or it's his yeah. dad, rather. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Whatever. What do they care? Whatever. He he. They're not desecrating. They're just carrying it around. He's in some random funeral home in California. It's fine. Do we think that law exists? Like that was my question. Oh, like, I, I'm. There are certainly paperwork. No, I'm saying there's certainly paperwork. But like, is transporting a family member's body across state lines independently actually against the law? I think it would probably depend on like what you were doing, but like desecrating a body and stuff sure, is sure, pretty sure. easy to run afoul of. I think. Yeah, I was just like, but watching I it think and I was when like, it's family, sounds, yeah, I, uh, I don't know. You would assume they're like, it's your dad. Like you're not throwing him out of the back of a car. Not yet, right? <laughs> not yet. They don't know. They they just take him to another place. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but either way, I'm just trying to uh, skip through this. Uh, yeah, because we have to talk about the musical. Um, what is yeah. so? I was thinking about this because you know we have like. Well, again, this like this fa- this family of losers, right? We have uh, Dwayne who finds out he's colorblind, so he can't go to fight school. We have yeah. Frank who lost his position as the number one Proust scholar in the country. We have uh, uh, the dad who's just a loser in his entire career. What is what is Cheryl's like great loss of the film? Like I was I was thinking about this. Like, is it just like her attempt to just like have any semblance? of a family unit of like a fully functional family. Like what do we, do we know what she does outside? Does she work? I don't remember. She, I think she works. I, w- I would imagine like, a, 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 well, she's the breadwinner. Yeah. Cause that's, she mentions that at one point, but I, yeah, I don't know if we ever see what she, I don't remember her job is. Yeah, or anything. It might've been inferred at one point, but I, I must've missed it if they did. But yeah, I'm just, I'm curious about sort of, I mean, I guess like he, Dwayne yells at her for getting divorced, I suppose. Um, if that's anything, yeah. she comes from a failed marriage, but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, again, like it's, I think Tony Collette's character, Tony Collette does great with the character, but I was, that was just something I was thinking about, like in like the grand scheme of this being a film about quote unquote losers. Well, I think that, I, I, I mean, I, it sucks that as the, main adult woman in this film i do feel like she's reduced to this role but i the sense that i get the more that you talk about it is that she is the necessary uh glue that holds all of these people together sure um like she is the only reason any of these people are in the same room because she does have an individual connection with each person um you know frank is her brother she's really sweet with olive uh obviously richard's her husband although i don't know why she would still be married to this ding dong for like 90 percent of the movie sure. uh and you know she she's friendly with with Graham. like she she has good connective tissue with every other character yeah. so i would argue that you need someone to make it plausible that any of these people would ever spend time together because this could easily be just a very fractured family that just went their separate yeah. ways i will say actually so in that line of sort of like her being the glue i believe one of the reasons Michael Arndt was initially taken off of the project before he was rehired 
uh, was that the studio wanted to refocus the film to mainly have Richard as the protagonist. And he's like, no, this is a movie about the family. This is not about him and his journey. Um, well, thank God he won that battle. Mm -hmm. That would have been a yeah. terrible movie. Yeah, like what's, yeah. Sounds like a lesson they should have carried over. Well, mm, well, yeah. well. Into the musical. Well, we get that. So yeah, then we get to the pageant, which is uh, its own hell. Um, uh... I love, I do like the girl doing the fucking backflips. There's the girl yodeling. There's a girl singing, also, give my regards to Broadway. are we going to talk about the MC? Oh, fucking terrifying nightmare human. The <laughs> MC that d definitely has <laughs> a lot of um, inappropriate interest in the girls. Like the way he bends down when he's singing the song and the way he's like, Oh, so, uh, everything about him, I was like, he is a diddler. Like, I did not Oh, that's like a, that. that's a song that they uh, cut from the stage show. He is a diddler. Uh, just so I, you know. Yeah, I submitted that as a fan-written song, and they did not accept it. Uh, <laughs> it just made me think of the Baby of the Year sketch. <laughs> yes! Uh, <laughs> so, Brian, it made me think of I that. I think you should leave. And it also made me think of uh, Frank Reynolds' Little Beauties from Always Sunny. Oh, my God. Where he's like, we don't diddle about... the kids. So, let's, I think this yeah. is... This is <laughs> This is as good as time as any to to talk about uh, child pageants. Uh, child pageants are, are bad. Uh, I think they are yeah. atrocious and uh, pretty strange. Yeah. So I, st Daniel and I went to Nashville one time and we stayed in a hotel where there was a beauty pageant going on. And so just like we would just like walk around and there'd just be these like uh, yeah like six or seven year old girls uh, who were just made up to look like like plastic figurines. It's kind of atrocious i like you see it's you see like a little glimpses of that in this obviously yeah like that's the whole sort of impetus for like Dwayne and richard to be like olive doesn't belong here she's a real human being who should not be in the setting with this manufactured nonsense. it's also very jarring to see like as you mentioned ben in real life yeah like, uh, so in philly there's a, a huge like uh indoor market called the reading terminal where i mm -hmm. believe i've taken you and it's across the street from philadelphia's con from the pennsylvania convention center so uh, a couple of times, you know, I'm going to say once a year back when I would go there weekly, there would be child pageant girls there for breakfast on Saturdays before they would go back to the convention center because that's where the pageants were. And it's really, it's jarring on film, but when you see these kids up close, yeah. it is wild like it, you feel like you're looking at an adult that went through a shrink ray spray tan yeah and yeah yeah Ball bead, huge like teased out here hair is taller than yes. me and it's 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 really like thousands like, and thousands oh and thousands of dollars i mean just, hey is the show toddlers and tiaras happen <laughs> if not for little miss sunshine because it's two years after this i don't know oh. or honey boo boo i don't want to blame little miss sunshine my for special those. juice is gonna help me win dude honey boo boo is hilarious honey, the, what a poor like, child honey boo -boo. is she okay what an insane thing What's she has a reality show still then now she's i mean she's like you honey know, boo boo so she's like teenagers, alive. maybe okay, twenty. Cool. Honey boo boo is just feeding into just like the continued like demonization of like uh poor working class America, yeah. and I hate it. Yeah, I mean, there's absolutely leaning on yeah. a lot of that. Yeah, and for I think sure. I think that's also the dance moms phenomenon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. for sure. We, I mean, there's yeah. another crazy person, yeah. Abby, whatever yeah. her name it's... is. She's on jail, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, no. <laughs> Not good. Oklahoma has like. Uh, a lot of pageant stuff, but it's rodeo princess pageants. So they're also like riding Shetland ponies and stuff. Oh, like, wow, wild, <laughs> crazy subculture, oh my man. Gosh. Um, so yeah, so we get this. Uh, the, it's gonna 
close out this fucking... I'm closing this out. Uh, so she does... Goodbye, honey boo-boo. Goodbye, honey boo-boo. You can take your special juice and drink it to, to the moon. Uh, but yeah, um, so... Also, my favorite line of the pageant is when she says, this is for my grandpa, and, and the woman goes, where's your grandpa? Is he here? And she goes, he's in the trunk of our car. Yes. <laughs> it's great. It's a, it's a great line, and you can't mess with it, and that's why they kept it for the stage show, because it works. It hits. It's, it's funny. Um, yeah. But yeah, she does her performance, which is, of course, her doing a strip tease to Super Freak. Um, <laughs> it's, it's funny. I'm sorry. It's, it's funny. Fu- and I, I do love that one guy who's there and, like, Richard leans over to him and he's like, so which girl's yours? And he's like, yeah. first time. And he's like, puts, like, earplugs in. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, no, and, he, and this is a, a continuation of my favorite bits, which we had in the producers where you have the springtime for Hitler number and, oh, and yeah. no one cheers and you have that one guy sick. One person who's super into yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, Kirby's into it. Kirby, the fucking, the hero of the film, uh, who gives, who like lets them register even though they're five minutes oh, late. Oh, the sound guy. Yeah. yeah. He like yeah. gives a nice, mm-hmm. like hearty clap for them. And then like the guy with the leather like... jacket is just like, yeah. <laughs> I always also <laughs> I, it also reminded me of uh, Parks and Rec where, like, they'd be doing a town hall and they'd say, like, two unpopular things right in a row and the same guy would go, woo! Yes. <laughs> like, they, they, like, that was, like, a running gag they had I'm, on I'm a sucker. I'm a love. sucker for that bit. I really am. Yeah. Um, I think there's a similar bit like that in Jersey Girl uh, where they do the Sweeney Todd performance. Ben Affleck is able to show up in time for his daughter's performance of... Do, do you not remember this from the hit Kevin Smith film, Jersey Girl? The whole... I just am so happy that you're going to have to put in the podcast description, tangents include Jersey Girl. Yes, of course. Because um, you said this. Thank you. Um, no, the, the, the best thing about Jersey Girl, like the, the actual only funny thing about Jersey Girl is that the end is all about like this like pageant at the school and and right. that's all about them doing performances and every single parent and child does memory from cats except for uh <laughs> except for ben affleck's daughter who does god that's good from sweeney todd that is like the one Perfect. inspired thing about jersey girl the the hit kevin smith uh comedic drama um ben affleck's in the news uh it's it's kind of it kind of ties in uh benifer it's bad benifer, uh, <laughs> well the first benifer not the second benifer uh oh yeah, yeah actually good point thank you the next l woods part three <laughs> wait which jennifer uh, so the rumor is that ben affleck's back with jayla Oh, oh shit! Yeah. Breaking cool. news from Brian Murphy. I just Murray. saw Benifer, and I figured Garner. No, not the one that he raised J-Lo? an entire old family Okay, with. now I'm super into this. <laughs> yeah, same. She, Much more interesting. She split up with A Rod, and he split up with Ana de Armas, who definitely was dating him for the Dunkin' Donuts <laughs> PR money. And. <laughs> And everyone's single, and there's room for them to rekindle their Listen, we're, oh, we're man. A- ben Affleck is the most divorced man <laughs> in the Western Hemisphere. He has the most divorced dad energy just, of anyone. Yeah, he just, so he good. just is his character in Gone Girl. He's just fully <laughs> morphed no, into that character. He's, he's fully married. Sadder, though. He's fully married in that movie. And it, no, yeah. like, <laughs> in real life, he's just standing outside with a Dunkin' Cup, like, exhaustedly chained. He's just got that energy, though. That's awesome. I don't know. I love it. All right. Anyway. <laughs> and let's close this thing out. Uh, they are banned from participating in any beauty pageants in the state of California. That's fine a with blessing. them. But again, yeah. They all, and yeah, it, it ends with them all like dancing on stage together uh, in it. this ridiculous yeah. performance, dancing to Super Freak. It's very I charming. Love also it's that very all sweet. Of, like, Olive's boys like get on stage with her, and like even Dwayne is like hip thrusting. It's so endearing yeah. that they're like, we've we've got her back. It's a charming, strange ending. <laughs> 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, the movie. Uh, I was gonna say I just love that he's wearing a shirt that says Jesus was wrong yeah. Yeah. when he's dancing on stage. I, I forgot about well, that. Thank yeah, you. I'm also just like about what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he said Jesus said a lot of things, Dwayne. What he was he wrong about? <laughs> yeah, he did a lot of talking in his lifetime. Yeah, I guess that should have thirty odd years. It, was that sort of like an early cue that he's colorblind because Dwayne is wearing a bright yellow shirt? Um, mm. I, I don't know. Oh, I, I wonder. I was gonna say his first shirt's black and white. Yeah, that's I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, because he yeah, mainly he wears black and white. I yeah. I am likely too much. Yeah, he probably just wears it because it says Jesus was wrong. Uh, a great catchphrase yeah. if there ever was one. Uh, yes. Um, the movie ends more abruptly than I'd remembered. Like they get in the car, they drive away. That's it. That's it. That's all you need. They they have they've had yep. their emotional catharsis yeah. of them dancing at um, the pageant. That's really all the, you need. The one tidbit I want to uh, say is something else I texted to Ben, which is that. Uh, do what you love and fuck the rest was definitely like a mainstay of my AIM away messages during this period of time. Oh, it was boy. definitely, definitely like I was in high school when this movie came out and uh, back in high school, you didn't have Facebook statuses. You, you had, had AIM, AIM yeah, away yeah. message. I, I called it AIM, yeah, whatever, so, whatever. Yeah, AIM, yeah. Um, I, I think I called it AIM too at the time and now I'm 96 years old and I say AIM. But no, I'm, it, this was definitely one of my away messages. Yeah. Like on repeat, I was like, this is a cool thing to write. Edgy. You say fuck, it's exciting. Um, but it's still a good You're quote. the edgiest person I know, Nina Stonup. I this hope that's is very not true. true. <laughs> so, Loma Sunshine, uh, an absolute success, critically, commercially, awards-wise. It was nominated for Best Picture. Didn't win. It went to The Departed. Are you a cap? Are you a cap? <laughs> uh, Mark Wahlberg, great film. Uh, Good movie. <laughs> Marty Scorsese, finally got that Oscar. Um, but, of course, in the... In, I would usually say... In the in the year 2013, this was adapted into a uh, musical for the stage, but not so fast, my friends, because first in 2011, Little Miss Sunshine was adapted by the same team by William Finn and James Lapine. They adapted it and they premiered it at the La Jolla Playhouse in California. Who knew? Um, for an out of town tryout, um, where it did okay. And then two years later, they brought it off Broadway to Second Stage Theater off Broadway. Uh, they completely rewrote it. It was, and I, I went to the painstaking trouble of watching a uh, what the kids are calling a slime tutorial. Uh, uh, finding a a a less than I, I watched I watched a version of the La Jolla uh, Playhouse production of Little Miss Sunshine. Um, that was readily, I skimmed through that same one. Yes, um, yeah. and they kept. It, that's, that version is two acts, uh, opposed to the one-act version that the show became. Um, they cut all but five of the songs from the La Jolla version. Um, and it's, like, it's completely different. I, it's so strange because it's both worse and better than the version that eventually hit off Broadway. Like, it's, in my interesting, there's, like, some just, like, thematic and structural things that I think are more interesting in the La Jolla version, but I actually just think it's just not as, it's just not as interesting or like, I don't know. It's here's what's up. William Finn, uh, the Tony award winning composer, William Finn, uh, best known for his musical falsettas. Um, in my estimation, a very good piece of musical theater, um, interrogating his own Judaism, his own, uh, homosexuality, um, his own, uh, neuroses as, uh, 
uh, a gay Jewish man and the intersections of that uh, within uh, hetero family dynamics. Um, he's great. He's a very, he's well known. He's a really well known for his sort of quirky lyrics, his uh, very biting um, and acidic take on musical theater songwriting. Um, he's a good guy. He, so yeah, Falsettos is his big one. Uh, he wrote A New Brain, uh, which, uh, he wrote after he suffered, uh, like an, where he almost, like, died after, like, getting, like, a rare brain disease. So he wrote a musical about a songwriter who almost dies after getting a rare brain disease. Um, there's some good songs in that show. He's, he's a great songwriter. Like, Falsettos has some great ones. New Brain has good ones. He, of course, wrote the songs for, uh... The 25th Annual Putnam County Spelling Bee, which is uh, oh, yeah. a really fun show in its own right. Really fun show. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I music directed that in college. I remember. I a, saw it. It was a great time. Uh, yeah. Is that still on Broadway? Absol- no, not. absolutely not. No, that thing. Cl- Didn't it run forever in that in that it little was in, tiny, yeah. the, the circle or whatever? It was in the circle in the square. It ran for a few years. No, it closed. Okay. It closed. I feel like it was, I felt like it was a long time. It, for it some ran reason. for quite a bit. I mean, it's an easy. I feel like it's like just it... playing somewhere every day of <laughs> the year is really yeah. what it is. It's an but easy Bryn, show. I also, think it ran, I also think it ran for a really long time for what a small show it was. Yes. Sure. It's, yeah, it's like it's a handful of actors, one set, a yeah. small orchestra. Um, but yeah, so William Fit, like I said, he's he's well known for writing these songs about quirky characters, about finding the humor and tragedy, and vice versa. Like for every like song he writes that is sort of like you know fun and witty and quirky, he also writes these beautiful ballads, things like "What More Can I Say" and the music still plays on, and even the "I Love You" song in Spelling Bee. Like he. He is able to write emotionally resonant musical theater material. And he wrote a whole show called Elegies, which is about like tributes to people who have died. And like a lovely the second show. half yeah. of that show is like a tribute to people lost in 9-11. Like it's, uh, he's, he has the capacity to create musical theater that is both uh, uh, hilarious and heartbreaking. Um, he frequently collaborates with James Lapine. Uh, so uh, Falsetto's, uh, the falsettos was uh the book was co-written and the show was directed by James Lapine. We know uh he wrote who also wrote and directed Sunday in the Park with George and Into the Woods and future episode Passion. Um, so James Lapine will be coming back to the pod at some point. Um, did the screenplay for Into the Woods too? I believe that sounds correct. That sounds about right. We'll delve into that on a Patreon episode that I'm very much looking forward to uh, fun fact ben k once played the baker in I a did. really really bad production of into the woods that, with a lot of ladders in it we'll we'll, we'll dig deep into that on the Ooh, patreon ladders. yeah i don't want to give anything away you gotta <laughs> you gotta subscribe to our patreon to find out about the ladders um that's oh, all i'll say um but <laughs> it starred ben k in six ladders it did truly um it's, that sounds like a play in itself um but so yeah so william finn and james lapine had worked together frequently and so falsettos and a new brain for the most part are pretty much sung through shows they they have like some bits of dialogue but you know they're like they're pretty much like sung through from start to finish uh for the most part um and Little Miss Sunshine in La Jolla was almost kind of like that. Like, it, it kind of wasn't sure if it wanted to be like that or not. Um, it's, and it, like, it had this, like, ensemble representing, like, Richard's 
10 steps. They inexplicably add a step in the musical theater adaptation, which I'm always just like confounded by. I'm just like, why? Yeah, what is that? <laughs> well, I... And there's like a thing where they're like, uh, I think in the movie, they have to get there at three o'clock. In the stage show, they have to get there at two o'clock. And I'm like, are you just saying that? Like, why? Like, oh, it's yeah. like, oh, what yeah. is that? <laughs> it's the changes so have no rhyme nor any reason. They're so. And like they say, okay, and they so say, and they change Stan Grossman to just Stan Gross. It's so strange. So Ben, you just went on this beautiful, like, uh, well-researched and well-informed uh, explanation of Finn and Lapine's careers. So what happened? Great here? question. So I think they. This is a podcast that I hear loves questions, and that's my question. <laughs> we do love questions. We're we're we do. We're in the we're in the we're in the. We're in the pocket for questions, um, <laughs> mm-hmm. but we just like drawing question marks. Ooh. It's just a, it's a nice Ooh. shape. Hey, you, yeah. Call me the call me the Riddler, baby, because I love <laughs> I love me a good question. Uh, call him the Riddler because uh, Paul Dano will also be playing the Riddler in the Batman. Yes. <laughs> oh, there you go. All pets as all bats. It's gonna be great. <laughs> um, but anyway, so anyway, um, I don't know what happened. I really don't know. I think it's. I think it's the thing that happened. Because, I mean, this is William Finn's first adaptation as well, which is something interesting okay. to think about, right? Falsettos, falsettos and intro, I mean, at least on a main level. I know he's written some, like, obscure uh, off-Broadway musicals, like stuff like Romance and Hard Times. Um, so you're whatever. saying this is uh, his first major project that, to borrow a phrase f- from our Legally Blonde uh, podcast, is not from Whole Cloth. Yes. A phrase pre- that I just really like. Pretty yeah. much, yeah. I mean, he wrote he wrote songs <laughs> for... Good he wrote Thank you. Mm-hmm. He wrote songs for Spelling Bee, which... Um, uh, was originally like an improvised piece of theater. Right. Um, but I mean, yeah, it's not based on anything that is still an right. original musical. Not like this is where it's like the whole story. Yeah, is no, just Falsettos, A New Brain, yeah. and Spelling Bee are all original musicals. This is entirely yeah. based, and it's not just based on uh, a previous material, it is, uh, as always, it, on our podcast previously based on filmed material so it's not just right. like it is and not just film material a film that a lot of people have a lot of love for and was and is still like a part of like the for the most part like mainstream consciousness like it won awards it has famous actors in it people like it so it's, it's like the kind of movie where if you bring it up everyone in the room will go oh yeah, yeah, Little Miss Sunshine. Yeah, well, like they'll, they'll at least know, know yeah. what it is. They'll have some kind of tie yeah. to it as a property. So that's, a good that's point. the thing. So it's like you're not just adapting a thing. You're adapting a thing that a lot of people have an overt familiarity with. And so as happens, you're they're stuck in that place where they're like, they both want to do new stuff and they want to like extrapolate on the material. But then, of course, they're like, well, you know, we're doing Little Miss Sunshine. So we we gotta do the stuff from Little Miss Sunshine. We gotta we gotta stay true to the material. And I just think they should have just gone in one. They should have gone in a, a direction. Uh, <laughs> they should have just like gone in a direction rather than something that really. Fe- and again, like I I'm saying this as a true blue William Finn defender on this podcast. I'm here to absolutely defend the honor of this man who wrote a bad show. Like I'm just here to just be like. <laughs> Yeah, like, y- y- you missed, buddy. I'm sorry. Like, there's, it's, so, it's a complete miss of a show. Ben, I'm going to push back against you, though, in that I I think it chooses a direction. And I think that yeah, direction I is agree. unrelentingly dark and negative. And I think it <laughs> takes all of the, like, sweetness and levity that is present in the film just and throws it right in the garbage. And it's like, 
how dark and depressing and 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 down can we make this story of like a down and out family? And and to me makes the confounding choice of making the like central emotional conflict be uh Richard and Cheryl. Yeah. And I think that's Definitely. so weird. So, it spends so much time on that. Yeah. And that ties perfectly into my feeling on it where I was like you're make you're finding all the most depressing beats of the original film and just extrapolating upon them. And when we talked about where they were the fight is just merely overheard. That it is a yeah. baffling yeah, I know, choice. I know. It's like then four songs. Put that yeah, it's to so make it, many songs. To make an off-screen fight a central focus of this musical. That is unhinged. Yeah. Why? Uh you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Uh thank you. So here's here's the thing. I yeah, and I'm i like I've got the song list up in front of me. I've got I'm just looking and Again, there's, there's stuff that I'm going to defend in this show. There's, there are songs and sequences that I'm going to defend in this show. I will say, uh, as a piece of just adaptation in general, for the most part, I think this is an abject failure. I think it is a complete flattening of the film. I think they're taking... Yes. I mean, again, like, like even, even in an off-Broadway space, in a non... For the most part, non-commercial space, um, they are still, like making the broadest choices possible which is really for us i mean is that just what it's gonna happen because we are like there are musicals that are subtle <sighs> Brand. i know you, but there's not are there any we have there's this is the same thing we talk about every time I know, but like, but like, like we, we have shows like little shop and little night music and this also has the word little in the title where's the subtlety <laughs> <laughs> There's very little subtlety oh, in this show. Um, and you know what? Ben, I agree with you. You know that I agree with you that this is an abject failure. But I'm also going to say that this is a movie that uh, it was a greedy decision to adapt it in the first place because it is not a stage worth. Like, it, it, the movie, so we talked a lot about, you know, the directors coming from a music video background and understanding how to film a beat, and I think a really vital part of the movie is it relies so heavily on close-ups, sure. and so to adapt that into a stage well, play, I don't even understand how you would do it, because there's so much, like, close-up on Frank, close-up on Cheryl, close-up on Olive, close-up, I mean, it's the whole movie well, I mean, is, like, so, reaction shots. We, we talk, we, I mean, we talk about this in a lot of episodes, right? It's like, it's, I feel like the success, or, like, the key to making a successful film to stage adaptation, right, is, like, finding what is inherent in cinematic language and how do you theatricalize that how do you turn that into uh how songs function in musical theater um the and there are I, there are examples of this which again i will defend when we get to them um but yeah i also think just the major flaw is this is a movie about a road trip this is a movie yeah. that yeah. spends the majority yeah. of its running time inside a moving vehicle and it is fucking hard to make that compelling on a stage i will so yeah so in in the la jolla production they're in a van. They're in uh, what is essentially a replica of the film's van, but the sides and the top come off, and like the seats can go up and down. Yeah, it's so they go up and down. Like, it's very okay, weird. I, I gotta like give a little Jack in the Box. Car. I gotta give props to whoever designed and built that thing. They fucking work their asses off. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, but like, this does not work. <laughs> it's just weird. Yeah. yeah. I will admit that I did not ha I did not see any visual yeah, stuff fine. about the show. That's fine. But I want to point out two quick uh like these were red flags to me. Ben sent me a script and uh it was very helpful to read it because listening to the show is also really chaotic. I never could figure out who was singing at what point. 
um, like sure, listening yes. to a recording. I was mm-hmm. often like, who is saying what and who are any of these people? And it was very hard to place anything with any context. Um, but two red flags right off the bat. Under the character list, the final character is named Chelsea and she is optional. <laughs> and <laughs> I, li- I don't like that. I literally, almost, optional I literally almost fell out of my chair because of that. <laughs> optional. <laughs> And my other favorite thing is in the in, in the musical number list until t- the song 10B, which is titled Dwayne, all of the family songs have to note except Dwayne. <laughs> and I was like, this is a red flag because you're already just spelling out the most obvious things, like the most obvious. Well, the Chelsea, the optional Chelsea was not obvious to me. I hope she's okay just, wherever just the optional fa- Chelsea is. Just the fact is. that the song's name is <laughs> Dwayne. Yeah, that doesn't help. But yes. also like... Ever, if you've seen the movie, you know Dwayne doesn't talk for most of it. So you don't need to say except Dwayne. Like, just he'll stand there. It's fine. Yeah. Give, give everyone a little more credit here. I don't we'll know. get it. Um, so, yeah. So it is hard to. Yeah. So, But in the off-Broadway production, they make the better choice of it just being like chairs. They just like they are in chairs and it represents the van. And that's all you need. That's because, so much better. Because the magic of, uh, of the stage. And that's just our shared imagination. Whatever. But it's again, you're still you're in a van. You're in a van. <laughs> On stage, it's hard. It's a tough yeah, how, thing to do. How do you even describe, like, how do you uh, uh, telegraph traveling? Like, how do you do this? I, I don't know. Yeah. So what you're telling me is my idea for a Ford v. Ferrari musical <laughs> is going to be difficult to produce? Yes. Oh, Brian. no. What am I going to do with this script for my speed musical? <laughs> Whatever shall I do? Ah, uh, and I will say third example. Uh, <laughs> it's a rule of threes, Ben. I know. I could, my brain wasn't working to come up with another uh, bus-themed show. You know, there Mad, like... Mad Max Fury Road. The Mad Max Fury Road uh, musical. Sweet. Not going to work at all. <laughs> Honestly, that would be a really good musical. <laughs> Whatever. I would watch I'm that. Watch that after this. Um. Anyway, so I'm just gonna quickly just go through the song list. Yeah. Uh, and I'll point out the stuff that I do. Oh, I will actually just say. So Dwayne, I guess, isn't the stepson anymore in this version. I think they kind of they retcon it, so he is actually yeah. their their biological child, both Richard and uh Cheryl. Weird. Um. I, I got that sense too, but they also say he's <sighs> Cheryl's teenage son. They don't. Like I don't know. They just don't mention. They, I okay, feel they like just they just flatten don't bring... it all out. They just they make yeah. they bring every they bring subtext right to the surface. It is just really boring. Yeah. So they, they you start at the show with this opening number, "The Way of the World," and I will yes, yeah, so I will say. Um. So the show is licensed through uh music Music Theater International MTI. Um. There is no official cast recording for uh for Little Miss Sunshine the musical. Um. What has happened is that they have pulled a recording from the sound booth from the off-Broadway production. So I guess, like, what, like just back in, like, the stage manager booth, like, whatever was being picked up by the mics and the mic from the orchestra pit. Oh, my God. So that's why I could hear people laughing yes. in the middle yes. of it. And so that's the thing. So, like, there are, that was weird. there are snippets of that that you can hear on MCI's website, but then, like, someone has done the beautiful service of just, like, uh, like someone just like made MP3 versions, and that's what I shared with the group here. Um, again, it's not illegal. MTI is licensed is is giving you those music. They are acknowledging that this is a thing that exists. Um, good for or them. Or just make yeah, it's I, on YouTube. It is on YouTube. If you want to listen? <laughs> yeah. It's very easy to find. Yes. Um. Yeah. No one's taking it down anytime soon. Um. 
But yeah, so that's what we're listening to. So it opens with the song The Way of the World, uh, and like Nina said, uh, everything sucks, and these characters sing about how everything sucks and life sucks. That is a dark, dark, dark song. Yeah. And I read the lyrics, and I was like, holy shit. Yeah. Like, things that shouldn't this die, musical die. Has just begun, and I am so depressed. Parts that shouldn't break, break into pieces. Uh, at some point, Cheryl just goes, the good guys always lose. And I'm like, setting us up for not failure, I guess. Like, <laughs> Right. I mean, I, mean, I will cool. say, if nothing else, that opening number does a good job of, like, again, like you're, it, it is an attempt at taking the montage opening of the film and turning it into an ensemble opening number for the show. It is an unsuccessful attempt. I mean, like I sure. said, it's, yeah. it's, I said it's an attempt. I didn't say they yeah. succeeded. Oh, I know. I just wanted to follow up. Um, I'm only going <laughs> to yeah. highlight certain songs because a lot, again, so many of these songs just happen. Like for the the Dwayne song just happens. I feel like that would be such a great place for like a big emotional number from Dwayne. And it's a, a complete, a phrase I use a lot these days, a complete nothing burger of a number. It's using, I also it's using the melody from the um, motel sequence and just like setting that to new lyrics for Dwayne. I, I texted Ben so many times listening to this song <laughs> or to this musical. And at some point I just said, I hate the kid playing Dwayne so much. He's not great. Um, he, he He's bad. I bet you could find a good kid for your regional production of Little Miss Sunshine. Um, Maybe, but know. he, this, uh, um, don't try. Don't do the show. Oh, yeah. is my vote. Yeah. <laughs> I agree do with something Fred. else, man. Literally do any other show. Um, Watch the, the movie. Next, yeah. Because the, Watch the movie yeah. and do something else. Because the next text I sent to Ben was all of these songs sound like they were written by a small child. Oh, <laughs> sad. Again. Sorry, William Finn. I'm coming for you, buddy. I'm not. I like you, my, my guy. <laughs> He's fine. He's fine. Uh, I don't like his song for the grandpa, the happiest guy in the van. It's. I really don't like it's that. It's not the best. Um. I will agree with you, Ben, that Frank's song is the standout. Well, yeah, and I'll get to that in a second. Yeah. So then, yeah, and then the the show adds this flashback, like we talked about before. Yeah. We, fla oh, we yeah. flashback to uh, Richard and Cheryl uh, fucking in the back of the bus, and this is where Cheryl reveals that she's pregnant. Um, and they're like, all right, well, I guess we'll try. And he, she sings the song, Always Make Me Proud. Again, even songs that like aren't good, William Finn can sometimes find a nice melody um and a pretty sounding thing and that's usually uh accentuated by michael starobin's uh nice orchestrations that you can hear in this recording um there's some nice french horn in there which i'm always a fan <laughs> a fan of um but yes then we get what is in my estimation i think there are two uh there are two songs uh that i really love uh in this in this show uh the first one is how have i been which is uh, Frank's confrontation song with uh, Joshua Rose and Larry Sugarman shows up in the in the bar, in the restroom and uh, I don't know it's it sounds like a song from it sounds like a cut song from falsettos but I say that in a good way like it sounds like that kind of like uh, the way it all kind of stacks on top of each yeah, itself yeah and again to like the, the different lines again, like it's, it's yeah. William Finn doing what he does best like writing about uh, angry queer men yelling yep. at each other um so he sort of like has a field day with this number and again it's an interesting change from the musical right like oh, oh, from the film like in the movie it's this very feeble moment of frank like not really knowing mm -hmm. what to say and in the musical they're like actually you know what frank's actually gonna like say what is in his heart right now and confront these characters with where he is and i don't know it's it's it worked for me i think it's an it's a it's a good song and I, I actually saw this show 
I saw it when it was off Broadway, and I remember it even then, back almost a decade ago. Like that song being like the one moment where I was like, "This thing's hidden for me. This thing's actually." I think it, again, it's like it's making a cho- it's making a choice to be different from the show, from the film, in a way that is unique to itself. I don't know. It's yeah, also, yeah. It's also a great opportunity to be different, where it's like. It's the great kind of brush off to the ex song, right? I mean, how many songs in music history have been written where it's like, fuck you to my ex? And that's <laughs> what this song is. But it's like, it's the most, it's the best performative song, I would argue, in the musical where it's like, yeah, like uh, Frank has a ton of repressed anger and resentment towards this guy. And he can't perform it in the movie because the movie's all about subtlety and, and close ups and repressed feelings and in the musical he can just belt it all out and it feels really good it feels yeah. very cathartic yeah i wish he had a song called who's that proust guy <laughs> and he talked about proust there is I wish- again, there is a song in the la jolla version where it's, it's a song about him explaining to olive what happened uh why he tried to kill himself um and it's okay uh- <laughs> wait brand what if the song hear me out was called second best proust scholar and it <laughs> was just go. dunking on on larry sugarman on larry sugarman <laughs> gosh mm-hmm. um I, and i yeah. will say so I, well, the off-broadway cast again I, just delving into production stuff a little um it was a really stacked cast for the most part rory o'malley played uh frank wow. off-broadway uh who is uh in the book of mormon uh, in the original and also i believe did he i think he played king george briefly in hamilton he did at one he point. sure did he was like king george for like a hot second in the, on the broadway yeah hamilton. i mean a lot of yeah. people were king george for like a hot second actually but no he was yeah again it was it, your track's only a hot second long tra- yeah, yeah, there you, go. you sing king george. you sing <laughs> the same song three times and the audience loves again you. Best yeah role. fucking <laughs> fucking banger of a thing uh but no he and yeah. he, again he 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 wasn't again. He's he, I wouldn't think of him as the Steve Carell of New York musical theater. No. But um, again, like it is. It was nice to actually see a, a gay actor playing this role. And wait, Ben, who is the Steve Carell of New York musical theater? I mean, fucking Raúl Esparza, probably. <laughs> oh yeah, that's definitely it. Sure, yeah, yeah. Well, he's kind of the Clooney, also. Yeah, yeah. He, he covers. He contains multitudes. He truly does. He is a yeah. What a guy. Um. Great pick. I love yeah. that. Thank you. The only you. other mm-hmm. song that I really actually do like, in the, well, you know, I'll, I'll up it to three. I'm, I'm feeling generous this evening. Uh, wow. uh, there's another, the next okay. song I like is called Something Better Better Happen. It's a, it's a sad song that Cheryl sings, um, and it sounds like a proper William Finn uh, sad ballad that he would write. Um, it shows up uh, like sung by the family a few times later in the show. Um, and I am glad that they turned this into a one act. You cannot fucking drag this thing into it. Yes. Two acts. Oh my oh, god. Yeah. Yeah, this would. Fu- this. What. This. Yeah. It sinks like a stone if you have to fucking drag this over two acts. I spent all of it waiting for it to be over, so I'm relieved. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I li- I like the song. Stephanie J. Block played played her off Broadway. She sings the hell out of this thing. Um, it's very nice. And then the only other song I I do genuinely like is called What You Left Behind. It's Frank singing about his dad being dead. Oh, sorry, not Frank, Jesus. It's about Richard singing about his dad passing away with, like, the box of, like, the remnants of Grandpa now that he's been taken by the funeral home. And I don't know, it's like, again, it's like, these are songs that, like, can exist outside of the context of the show. They're just, like, sad character songs. Um, and I like them. I don't know. They, they got to me. Again, I'm, fe- I'm feeling generous this evening. And there's, there's something so- very sweet about them. So ben, I do not buy us caring about his relationship. No, with his no, dad no, no, no. I know yeah. you're talking about the song yes. separately, but I, I just want to say, 
Don't buy it at all. <laughs> that is sure. exactly what I was going to say, is I was going to be like, the song by itself with no context, fine, I, I can deal with it. But in the context of Richard is a misunderstood soul, I'm yeah. like, fuck this. This is a waste of my time. Get out of here, Greg. <laughs> yeah, here. yeah, come on, Greg. Go be in baby mama elsewhere, Where's please. Where's your nine steps now, buddy? <laughs> no, hey, oh, hey, ten, ten steps, ten steps. Ten steps. Guess what? He's ten still- step being an a-, a self-centered <laughs> yeah. asshole. Ten steps to sucking more. <laughs> um, and then, yeah. yeah, but then, yeah, like, again, like, the show is, like, flattened out to 90 minutes. You don't have, Stan Grossman doesn't exist. Uh, you The ice cream scene is moved to the, to the gas station so that they don't have to have a diner scene. Um, yeah. The, the budget was spent entirely yeah. on the bus. Trip. I do kind of, mm-hmm. I do, it's, again, a, ch- a choice that they make is, like, having the, the pageant girls pop up as this sort of, like, leering like a negative force in olive's head like they pop up again it gives those actors more to do i suppose and again again it's like it's a fun device and again they tried something again yep. sh- don't forget chelsea's optional <laughs> chelsea's hey optional don't chelsea. worry chelsea's <laughs> optional <laughs> don't worry about it I'm never gonna um, stop thinking about this yes. um I, I don't i did not like no, that choice I, that's fine um, i, I don't, I yeah. don't i'm saying it worked i'm no, just saying it, they it, tried it, something yeah no i'm glad that I, they gave it a shot it just felt very like super heavy-handed when it's like there are ways that you could have uh, projected that olive is kind of not shouldn't be in this world for x and y reasons without it being a little greek chorus of of tiny little bullies <laughs> like I, I, that was weird um, not wrong uh and then yeah. yeah how do we feel about the badonka so this song? is i was kind of like do i love I te- this or do i, I so this, this is what i was about to tee up so of course <laughs> it's again this is the kind of uh this i feel like this happens sometimes and i think this happened I feel like there was another episode where this came up. I think I feel like it was no, it was high fidelity. It's uh high mm. fidelity that's where this comes up again, where they have to they rather than using "Let's Get It On" by Stevie Wonder, sure. they try to write, and I think they do a they, they do a better job of writing a "Let's Get It On" uh, analog in high fidelity than whatever the fuck William Finn is doing here. Uh, so I try to write his to... version of Super Freak. <laughs> I want to give you and and the listeners at home a visual of me listening to the song for the first time. You know that meme of the anime guy, and he's like, "Is this?" Oh yeah, the butterfly. <laughs> and, and what mm-hmm. I was thinking of is, is this camp? <laughs> I bet, I bet, I bet Bill Finn thinks it's camp. I'll tell. Like, I'll give would you Susan that. Sontag have classified this as camp? And that's really all I. I and I'm gonna say no. <laughs> Brand, Brand, I can see your Brand. Your wheels are turning. What's up? No, I just, I just, I'm trying to recall the memory. But yeah, like like a lot of like a lot of these shows that we do, they're they just kind of leave my brain forever as soon as <laughs> soon as I stop listening to them. So, um, so here's what's in I ha- I hated this. I deeply. know you did. I know you did. So again, so again, so so again, so rather than ch- rather of making the choice of just like trying to license Super Freak and just using that, they're like or they're like, okay, well we'll write our own Super Freak. Um and they do and it's not good. It's called Shake Your Badonka Badonka Donk, of course. Um but here's here's what's up. So she sings the lyric. Uh, I'm doing a real uh, text analysis of this song right now. Um, mm-hmm. so, I'm gonna scroll down to it right now. So shake your Badonka Donk baby. Um which so one would uh, presume uh, that badonka donk is shade, uh, referring to a, a butt, one's butt, uh, an, ass. an ass, if you will. Then mm-hmm. she also sings, "Shake my Vesuvius," 
Yeah. And, and that yeah. one point, no, no, no. So, uh, so one could presume, oh, so she's using two analogies for her buttocks. Uh, sure. Uh, Badonkadonk and Vesuvius. Um, but then at one point in the lyrics, uh, she says, shake my Badonkadonk and my Vesuvius. So this is mm -hmm. creating uh, the sense that these are two separate entities. So if we're saying that Badonkadonk is the butt, there is only one other thing that Vesuvius could be, and I don't want to say what it is, because this is a child's pageant <laughs> for underage girls. There's another complication that you are not mentioning. Please throw it out there, Nina Stana. According to the script that you sent me, this song is begins with uh, the lyrics, the bride in white walks down the aisle, mm -hmm. she greets her husband with a smile, and... She is wearing a wedding dress as her striptease outfit instead of the funny little suit she wears in the movie. She's wearing a wedding dress, so she looks like a child bride on top of everything that you just said. Uh, she's wearing Cheryl's wedding dress. She's oh, wearing her oh. mom's wedding dress. I have hives. I have it's stress a plot hives. thing, too? Oh, no. I don't know. I miss it's that. So, it's, I definitely. I it's odd. Again, it is. It's. It's a. It's. It's. It's gonna be a no from me. It's gonna be a no from me. Uh, is what I'm gonna say. Uh, I am horrified by the revelation that it's Cheryl's wedding dress that made everything twenty thousand times worse. It's very yeah. odd. It's very odd. Um, either way. Uh, I'm shocked that no one got arrested during the making of this music. Well, what else? My, my last note I wrote was. Is this the worst one yet? And then <laughs> no. Worst one. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think it, if nothing else. I'm so honored yeah. to have been asked to do the absolute worst <laughs> music. I feel like what. That we've covered. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, I know that there are going to be ones that are worse than this. Ones that oh, have. Oh, for ones sure. That have, yeah. No, I, I like. There are like scant redeeming factors here that like, again, that I'm being generous for. That I'm like, there are musical moments that are at the very least interesting. Like I'm there. Like that is like there is like three percent. No, not three percent. Like maybe like ten to fifteen percent saving grace. I feel like show. I want them to be in a different show. I yeah. just want them to be yes. completely divorced from this production. Yeah. Um, because I feel like everyone involved with this production should go directly to jail. Yeah, I, sure. I, yeah, I would abolish Put James Lapine up on yeah. the on the like stretchy rack for this one. And just abolish crank that. Abolish all prisons except for one where we put William Finn and James Lapine for this show. Oh, God. William <laughs> the Rack. William Finn's, like, about to be 70. He's a... He's... He's whatever. Well, then he's not going to listen to this podcast, so I'm not that worried he's, about it. He's teaching... He's teaching uh, musical theater writing at the grad school at uh, NYU. Whatever. He's... Ah. Oh. He's great. He's he's shaking his badonkadonk, uh, teaching kids about how to write songs. Yeah, to the north, to the south, the to my Vesuvius and my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so thrilled. My wet we ass can... Vesuvius. There it is. Wham! Uh, I'm so thrilled. Wham. I'm so thrilled that we can have such a robust conversation about a pretty good movie that, again, in theory, could have maybe made an interesting show. You had you had everything the the pieces were in place for this to maybe at least be an interesting attempt at adapting this thing with writers who have worked in this lane before and they missed two plus two equaled fish equaled Vesuvius uh, <laughs> is what yeah. happened. Um, Hard agree. So, so I can safely assume this was not nominated for any. You know, Stephanie J. Like anything. Stephanie J. Block. An OB. Stephanie J. Block yeah. got a Drama Desk nomination. Uh, that was, That's it. That okay. was kind of the, the highest thing. 
Because I knew um, we weren't talking Tonys because that's not no, off-Broadway. Is not and we, we unfortunately included. don't have a section on the show called Talking Tonys. I guess we do have an unofficial section called Talking Tonys. No, but I, we, we discussed, uh, we talked about Legally <laughs> we did, Bonds, No, we did, Tony, we did. Yeah, Tony we usually Shots. do talk yeah. about rewards. Yeah, but, no, you're right. Yeah. Um, I guess its biggest reward is that like people do it. It is frequently licensed um, for whatever reason. Um, again, I mean, brand recognition, right? People know the movie. Yeah. People know the movie. Yeah. People know the movie. Yep. And if you say, based on the Academy Award winning film and from the writers of Putnam Toy County's. Story 3. Uh, no, no. Uh, oh, uh, right. Putnam- that's Michael Arndt. I'm mixing this <laughs> no, up. Sure, yes, yes. <laughs> put, no, you know what? Just put that on the poster anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, like from the Academy Award winning film written by the Tony Award winning writers of Putnam County Spelling Bee, you're going to sure. get people to come to your show. Like, that's going to happen. And then they're going to see just... it, and they're going to be like, yeah, I guess that is a musical version of Loma Sunshine. You're not wrong. I'm not going to sleep. I'm not going to sleep tonight thinking of all the <laughs> of thinking of all the community theater productions of this that have existed and will exist in perpetuity in the world. Hey, like that... you get to cast uh, old men and young girls and everyone in between. Uh, fun for the whole family. Based but on donk, the song donk. we just discussed, I do not like <laughs> that implication at all. Um, well... What better ideas do you have, Nina? Because we have reached, <laughs> because of course we have reached the end of uh, this episode of Movie the Musical, and as always, um, we ask our guest a very important question. And Nina, so last time you were here, uh, you posited that Anchorman would make a great uh, film to stage adaptation, and we, I did. And we both said yes, please. Um, mm-hmm. But we got to ask you again. We asked you to dig, because I couldn't think of another question to ask you, so we're just going to ask you this question again. <laughs> if and when we have you back a third time, maybe we'll ask you a different question, who knows? Yes. Because we love questions. But for right now, Nina Starner, if you could adapt any movie into a musical that has not been adapted already and is not the film and command The Legend of Ron Burgundy, what, <laughs> what movie would you choose? Anchorman 2, The Legend Continues. Oh. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's not it. Um, I, I thought uh, this, this was so much more stressful. Last time Anchorman just, just popped into my brain and it worked. Um, I, I thought about Hot Rod because I was like the Lonely Island guys could just write it and that would be funny. Mm-hmm. I thought about Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar because I know that we share right. such a, a deep affection for that movie. It's but so what I good. settled on... And this is going to be a little bit of a callback to the Legally Blonde episode because we briefly brought this movie up and because it will share one element in common. Um, I settled on another movie that I love very, very much, another comedy, uh, Best in Show. Sure. Oh, good one. And uh, I think, and even though I wanted to pick Waiting for Guffman because there's already songs in it and all of them are funny. Sure. um, Because I want to watch people sing Everyone Needs a Stool live. Um, (laughs) But anyway, I picked Best in Show. Because you could have a bunch of dogs in it, and I think that would be great. And I would chaos. It would be amazing. I would pay a lot of money to watch a lot of dogs like take a dump on that. Stage. I would hope would so. They wonderful. need the mo- they need the money to to yeah. to pay for all the people handling those fucking dogs. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I also think like because it's uh you know the film focuses on kind of these individual trainers and people, and with everyone getting kind of a featured song, it could be 
like the cat's take on the dog world where you just introduce people via song sure. and then there's the you know instead of going to the heavy side layer you pick the winning dog this is my submission that's actually very it's not good. as good as anchorman just take i don't it. know no it's again like you're it's that's very funny well, it's almost like putnam county spelling bee but for people yeah. in a dog uh show contest yeah. um maybe maybe you make it really weird and you have people playing the dogs themselves in dog costumes i don't know maybe Maybe this is super experimental. Yeah, it's a lot I, it, of roads you can go down. <laughs> There's too ma- almost too many. And, uh, you know, just having the Jennifer Coolidge song or Jennifer Coolidge character rather have a song, I think would. Yes. And like, also, I would want a Starbucks J. Crew song from the weird couple with the braces sure, and the Weimaraner. Sure. Yeah. There's a lot of possibility. Uh, yeah. I, I think that's a great choice. I think uh, we'll. S- I want to play Fred Willard as the like the oh, color yes. commentary oh my God. guy. That guy. Is Do you know gonna- how much I can bench press? <laughs> Three hundred and fifty pounds. <laughs> well, back in my prime, you know, probably every- couldn't lift a hanger uh, this day. R.I.P. Fred every Willard. So single- ridiculous. Ev- my condolences. Every single thing that that guy says in that movie is is gold. Um, Comic legend. Perfect. Uh, 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 if you dress like best. that in my neighborhood, you better be a hotel <laughs> doorman. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god uh, gr- or when he's like yeah. talking about the mayflower and he's like well it landed here in philadelphia and they're like no <laughs> it didn't. <laughs> oh man that's gr- a great Perfect. choice great uh, choice good nina thank you so much uh as always people can uh listen to your legally blonde episode if they haven't already it's a good one it's a fun one um it was very fun and they can find you on looper or is there anything else to plug uh please follow me on twitter please. so i can so my very funny tweets can perform better. Um, <laughs> that's shameless. I don't care. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I have to plug. And uh, I'm really happy to have been asked back, even for the worst musical you've covered so yes. far, which was yes. actually really fun. <laughs> yes. Yes. And uh, I hope to uh, make a return back to this pod we'll at some point. We'll see. Because it is such a grand time every single time. We'll see, we'll see what we can do. Uh, yeah. Thank you, as always. I want to thank Brand Moorhead for producing and editing the show. I want to thank each and every one of you out there in the world for listening. I want to thank Emily Harrington for our artwork. I want to thank M. Modaf and Josh Stanley for our kick-ass theme song. If you like the show, be sure to rate us, review us, subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast for future episodes. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Movie the Musical. If you want to support the podcast and make us the little Miss Sunshine of musical theater podcasts, whatever the hell that means, um, go to our Patreon, <laughs> patreon.com slash movie the musical. Become a monthly member for as little as $3 a month because we are a triple threat podcast. We got some great bonus content on there. It is an absolute blast. Um, that's all. Uh, keep on singing. I, I don't you don't have to shake your badonka donk just don't just, just just keep keep that to yourself <laughs> <laughs>